everybody to Poker Fraud Alert Radio from a secret location at a hotel somewhere, somewhere out there in the United States, somewhere is where I'm broadcasting from. Apologies for the late start, and it's because of the hotel room. I actually made sure to be here on time for the show, tried to connect to it, and I could not connect to the radio server. So I was unable to do the show. But I found a workaround, and even though this port is blocked, when I say the port, I mean the connection between the internet here at the hotel and the Poker Fraud Alert radio server, that was blocked, but I found a way around it. So we're going to have our show tonight. If we have any technical difficulties, I apologize. This is the best I can do since I am at a hotel and at the mercy of their internet. Now, unfortunately, I'm also at the mercy of a co-host that uh, has been a little bit absent recently. I'm talking about Brandon Drexel Gerson. I do hope he'll be back next week or sometime very soon. We're going to have a guest co-host this week. But uh, before I put the guest co-host on, I just want to tell everybody what's going on with Brandon because he has not been here yet for the year 2013. The last show he did was on December 26th. So where is Brandon? Uh, Brandon is kind of on a hiatus, a self-imposed hiatus. Uh, Nothing to do with me. We don't have any personal problems, and his hiatus doesn't really have to do with his show either. But nevertheless, he has been unavailable every week thus far in 2013. Um, If he returns to the show, which I think he probably will, 
but it's not 100% sure. But if he returns to the show, then everything's great, and we'll continue as if nothing happened. Uh, if he does not return to the show, then I'm going to have to think about what to do about this radio program and whether I want to keep coming out here every week, either by myself or with a myriad of guest hosts. Like, this is okay on a temporary basis. But I don't want to keep coming out here and doing a show that isn't good and isn't consistently entertaining and informative and everything you guys have come to expect from this show and the previous shows I've been part of. I don't want to just go out and keep doing a show because I'm used to doing a show. So... I might end up decreasing the frequency of this show if uh, Brandon doesn't come back and if I don't find a permanent co-host that uh, I would be happy with as a permanent co-host. So uh, I would like to thank the various people who have joined me while Brandon has been gone. This includes China Maniac, it includes Jacep, and it includes this man who has been on before and is going to be on again tonight. Skype better be working tonight. I'm going to be pissed. Here we go. Seriously Serious, the co-host of the day. Hello. What's up? So I'm glad to have you here. And so far, I'm not seeing any kind of uh, connection problems with the Internet, so I'm very glad about that. I had the initial connection problem, but I've got it working, and I, I think the show's going to be okay, uh, which I was a little skeptical about because the Internet here has been... Inconsistent, to say the least, while I've been trying to browse the web, but somehow it's holding up okay. So I hope this will be good tonight. And uh, we do have a backup plan, uh, which someone's mentioned in the chat. If I really do have a hard time operating this show from the hotel, I will let Seriously Serious operate it, and I will be the guest on his show. <laughs> well, no, it'll still be your show. Okay. I mean, you'll, be at the, you'll be at the controls, though. Sure. So, so anyway, uh, let me quickly get to the free roll, because since we started late, the free roll starting in... Just 10 minutes. And here's a story with a free roll. It is a $50 free roll. This is our usual free roll. Sometimes it's more. Sometimes it's less. Last week it was... Uh, I think last week it was more. Anyway, we've had a few big ones recently. This one's 50 bucks. 25 for first. 15 for second. 5 for third. 5 for fourth. Thanks to Hotshot74, who donated 20. Dr. Peters, who donated 10. An anonymous donation of $10 in honor of user Pikachar's win at the Black Ship Poker Tournament last night. And Mr. Greenthumb, who donated $10. So thank you to all these people. And this tournament will be on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, which you can find by going to the very top of the screen, clicking on that. You have to make an account. You don't even need a real email address. Just put whatever BS you want there. The only thing that you have to have is a registered account on Poker Fraud Alert before May 21st, 2012, if you want access to the money on the free roll. If you want to be able to claim the money when you win. If you do not have a registered account as of May 21st, 2012, you can send me a PM to Dandruff, or you can email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, and convince me that you've been listening to the show, or been listening to a previous show that I've done, or been a long-time lurker on this forum or another forum that I have had ownership in. And if you can convince me of that, then you will qualify for that and all future free rolls on this site. So we're doing that, of course, to prevent people from just showing up to play the free roll who've never been part of this community. So that will be starting at 7.40 Pacific Time 
7.40 Pacific Time, which is in just 10 minutes. There is no late registration, so make sure you get registered on there. If you don't, if you show up at 7.41, it won't let you in. Todd, are you aware that you're talking to a former free roll champion? Yes. In fact, you didn't you win the biggest free roll? Yes. It was like the one drop. Yeah. It was yeah, glorious. He, that's right. He won the one drop of Poker Fraud Alert free roll. Seriously serious. Who is not known, and no offense, he's not known for his poker skill. He's not a, a premier poker player. But uh, he did show his stuff on uh, the December 26th free roll, which is our big end of the year free roll, $293. He won it. I think it was like 100 bucks for first place, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. And uh, you weren't one of these guys who like redonated. You took the money. No, absolutely. I bought <laughs> many boxes of Orange Shasta. <laughs> but you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, a lot of people have been giving back their prizes to future week's prize pools, and I really appreciate that. But you're not expected to. Don't ever feel expected to give your money back to the prize pool. If you win it, it's your money. If you want to donate it back, that's great, too. I, I really appreciate that, and the users appreciate it. Uh, all the money that's been given away at Poker Fraud Alert Free Rolls since we've been doing them in May of 2012, you know, all the way from then till now, have been donated by the users. Some of them frequent donators like Sea uh, Money and Lawn Cigar, uh, and then other ones have been donated by just sporadic users all over the place who just uh, either donate their winnings from the previous week or, or donate money that they just decide they want to give. People who like this show and want to give something back, even if it's not giving it to me, it's giving it to the users of the community and the listeners of the show, and I appreciate that. Very, very much, and uh, it makes me very happy that we have this free roll every week. And, of course, this free roll is for real cash money. It's not for chips on some poker site that may not pay you, like Lock Poker, which I'll be talking about shortly. But this is money I'll send you on PayPal that when you receive, you can go spend immediately. Or I'll, I'll mail it to you. I'll mail you a check. I've mailed people checks before. Cash an envelope. Cash an envelope. I'll even do that. I'm not going to guarantee it gets there. Like, if I send you cash in an envelope and you claim you didn't get it, tough luck. But... I will send you cash in an envelope if that's what you want. So this is a real cash free roll. And I, I don't know of any other sites that do something like this where they actually just give you cash for playing a free roll on a, on a radio show. So even though it's not huge money every week, it's it's something every week for the listeners. And it's not a, a very big field, so there's a decent chance you're going to win. And our own Seriously Serious won 100 bucks on December 26th. So um, just just to before we get started... I do want to say that if anybody wants to sponsor this show and help me pay the bills for the server, because I, I do lose money every month on Poker Fraud Alert. And I'm not going to shut it down if I keep losing money. I'll, I'll keep it going. But uh, if you'd like to prevent me from losing money on this site, then uh, sponsor the show or sponsor the site. Reasonable rates. You can email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. Right now we have no sponsors. And I guess the only good thing about having no sponsors is people know that... Uh, there's no no shilling, and there's no no fear of anyone being protected if they're ever criticized on the site. But I still would never do that. I would never protect the sponsors from any accusations of shadiness that seem like they're even semi-legitimate. On this site, people are always willing, are always allowed to bring up anything that involves anyone scamming someone else or doing something shady, and that includes me. If you think I've scammed someone, I haven't. But if you think I have, you want to accuse me of something that's legitimate, go ahead. I'm not going to even censor that. Though I can tell you, I, I don't have those skeletons. I wouldn't start a site like this if I was actually a scammer myself. 
Anyway, uh, thank you for joining me, everybody, on this special Monday night program. Why is it on Monday night? Well, because tomorrow I will be at a hotel that does not have consistent enough Internet to run this program. As bad as the Internet is where I am right now, it's worse where I'm going to be tomorrow. And in case some people want to abuse the forum tomorrow because you think I'll be gone, I will not be gone. I will be able to access the forum and post on it and uh, take care of any misbehavior. I remember last time I announced I was on a trip. Uh, people bad bom- decision. <laughs> <laughs> people were bombing the forum with all these these terrible things. Like, and they they were so proud of themselves. But no, I'm not going to be yeah. out of touch that way. But I just won't have a good enough connection to do a show. And, um, so anyway, let's. Uh, I'll give you a, a taste of the agenda tonight. It's not a very long agenda, so it may not be a long show. But I well, still... before you do that, Todd, I'd like to quickly address something. Yeah, go ahead. There, there's somebody mentioned in the chat asking if there's a new song tonight. And the reason they're asking that is because I have an imposter I've mentioned before that plays in the black chip poker free rolls. Closing is seriously serious. This imposter is still on the loose. So I'd just like to remind the community that it's not me saying all those crazy things, horribly offensive things, and making promises. Yes, that's true. It's, uh, so there, there is no new song in the works, at least right now. And speaking of the chat room, if you are not aware and you're listening live, go into the chat room. Just click the chat button on the top of the screen. You have to have an account on Poker Fraud Alert to chat there. But uh, you can follow along. A lot of times people say things in the chat that I either will then talk about or sometimes I will even steal people's jokes and make it appear like it's my joke. And people say, hey, this Dan Druff is so witty, he just comes up with stuff on the spot. But half of it is not from me. Half of it's from... uh, Users in the chat room saying funny things. They're like my ghostwriters, too. So uh, come into the chat if you would like to follow along live. If you're listening in the archives, or archives, shall I say, then there's not going to be much chatting going on, I can be honest. And if you think that this show is a Tuesday show this week, then I guess you'll be listening in the archives, too, and no one will be in the chat on Tuesday either. Anyway, here is a taste of what we'll be discussing tonight, and since it's a short agenda... Feel free to bring up anything that you would like to see discussed. Not guaranteeing I'll discuss it, but if you'd like to call in and talk about something else or bring up something in the chat room and I catch it, then uh, I'm open to that too. Some nights we're so busy we just don't have time for that stuff, but tonight I think we will. There are some major problems at Lock Poker. We'll be getting into that. I know I've talked about Lock Poker before on this show and on the PokerFraudAlert.com forum in the Scandals or Scam Scandals and Shadiness part of our forum. Lock Poker is at it again with not doing what they promised and just really being shady all around. I'll discuss that. On the same subject, but a little bit different, is pros on poker sites. Now, I don't mean pros like me, or like I used to be at least online, who would uh, make their living playing online poker, but weren't associated with any poker site. I'm talking about pros that are sponsored pros, ones that uh, get paid to represent certain sites. How much responsibility do they have when they know the site they are representing is doing shady things? How much responsibility do they have to either speak up or quit? Should they just keep collecting a paycheck knowing that there are problems at the site they represent? And how much responsibility do they have to keep up on this? Can they claim ignorance just because they don't read the forums? We'll talk about that, and uh, I'll give my opinion. The PokerStars PCA has concluded. 
But there was a very, very poorly run new tournament there. And when I say new tournament, I'm not talking about the PCA main event that Vanessa Selps... Oh, she actually didn't win that one. She won the uh, high roller. But she, you know, none of those. None of those regular PCA tournaments. I'm talking about a new tournament that came up with, a kind, of, kind of like a gimmick tournament with a $1,000 buy-in that was run so poorly that players got cheated out of $40,000 or so collectively. We will talk about that, and we will talk about PokerStars response to this, which has been underwhelming so far, which is surprising for a company that usually takes care of matters like this. Now, some people wondered if I would talk about this. This is another subject I'm about to get to. It was brought up on PokerFraudAlert.com this week on the Flying Stupidity Forum that one of our users is apparently guilty of identity theft and that the identity he stole, that person is now coming onto Reddit, which is a pretty big site, and complaining that there's a $250,000 judgment against them from 2plus2.com. Talking about the user Yebsite and a guy named Anthony Scocoso, who Yebsite apparently pretended to be to register similar domains to 2plus2.com to piss off Mason Malmuth. We'll talk about that, what was discovered, what uh, has come out, and what I think of the whole thing. And I'll even give some advice for Mr. Scocoso on how to get out of this mess. GTEC, I don't know if you guys have heard of them, but uh, they make online uh, casino software. Among other things, they're a uh, division of a larger company. They were caught rigging online casino games that are on major online casinos such as uh, NordicBet. They were actually caught rigging games there and rigging them in a really, really bad and offensive way. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about this strange connection they have to perhaps the Nevada online poker rooms that will be legal and operating maybe soon in the state of Nevada. Could GTEC really be running one of those rooms after what they did? Possibly. We'll talk about that. We did mention last week that there is a user, not a user, well, there is, sorry, there is a user who has a problem with a well-known poker pro who seems to be doing something pretty shady. And this user asked me to call the well-known poker pro as Alvin Finkelstein and get to the bottom of it. It'll be kind of like a semi-prank call, which will be a, a prank call about a real issue that this user is concerned about, where basically uh, a well-known poker pro received some work that was done from uh, like a website design, and he received it from someone who didn't actually own it. So basically uh, this user did work indirectly for this poker pro and didn't get paid for it because the person, you know, someone basically stole it and sold it instead. Uh, this poker pro is now apparently avoiding the issue. Why won't I name this poker pro? Because I want to call him live on the air. I want to try a few times before we talk about it live. And if I talk about it now, who it is, then someone may warn this guy that I'm going to prank him as Alvin Finkelstein. So you'll see who it is as soon as we get through to him. But if we don't, we'll try a few more weeks, then I'll spill the beans. This is not really a secret. I just don't want some jerk ruining what we're going to do. So we'll try that tonight. Maybe Ken Scaler will call in. Maybe he won't. Maybe something else will happen. I don't know. But uh, that's the agenda for tonight. If you want to call in, the phone number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You can also reach us on our Mount Charleston number. Mount Charleston is a mountain that hangs over Las Vegas. A lot of people think of Las Vegas as 
the desert, like a flat desert land. And it is. It is a flat, arid desert in Las Vegas. But behind Las Vegas, there is a mountain range called the Spring Mountains. And there's a mountain called Mount Charleston. You can actually ski on it. It's like 45 minutes from Vegas. In the middle of the summer when it's 110 in Vegas, you can go up to Mount Charleston at 70 degrees there. It's unbelievable. Anyway, we have a phone sitting on top of Mount Charleston that does a very 70s style ring, an old rotary phone, but it forwards over here. That phone number is 702-430-1808. So if you want to call that number, you can do that too if for some reason the other one doesn't work. So let's get going. Uh, seriously, serious, you still with us tonight? Yes, of course. Okay, okay. Yeah, I just... Uh, been a little quiet. I know you're just probably letting me talk. Uh, let's start talking about lock poker. Now, have you followed the story at all? This particular one? Yeah. Not at all. Okay. I, I do know that Locke has been involved in many shady things in the past, and I sort of scratch my head as to why people continue playing there. But yeah. uh, not the latest one, no. Exactly. I don't understand. Before I even get into what they are doing today, I don't understand why people continue to play on poker rooms that have shown themselves to be shady time and time again after all that has happened. UB, full tilt. Look at the major poker rooms that have cheated us. And you'd think after everything we've been through with these large poker rooms ripping us off that when we run into a shady room, we'll say, okay, not again. We're not doing this again. You know, it's it's kind of like if you go out with a type of girl that keeps cheating on you, and then you go out with another girl who cheats on you, and you you notice you go for the same type of woman who keeps cheating on you, and that you can go out with much nicer girls who are unlikely to do that, or much less likely to do that, but you keep dating the same type of girl and think she's not going to cheat on you. To improve upon the analogy, the girls that keep cheating on you perhaps are really, really hot. Like, in the case of UB, my understanding was that people kind of just took their chances there because the games were so soft. They knew there was a risk that they might get screwed, but they gambled on that. Well, I I think that was after the first scandal. Before the first scandal, I didn't notice the games any softer there than uh, the other big sites. I I found on AP the games were soft. On UB, I I just never found the games to be that much different than, like, what you find on PokerStars. And uh, I know that after everybody, a lot of the pros left there, myself included, after the scandal, the games got soft. And I think those people were taking the chance that maybe they're never going to get paid. And, of course, uh, a lot of them didn't. But uh, So I wonder if the same sort of thing is the case at lock. Are the games, you know, are the games softer at lock? Are there perks to playing there as opposed to sites where your money might be safer? Uh, there used to be, but I... Like, recently they've had nothing but trouble. I, I really don't see any advantage of playing there now over the Merge Network. Uh, all the sites are having problems as far as uh, rapid payments and things like that, but uh, Lock is really the worst. And let me tell you some things Lock did in the past. Uh, I have a report on Lock Poker that was written almost a year ago, March eighth, two 2012, about all the things they did in the year 2012 that were shady. And there was a lot of things. I'm not going to go over it again in detail, but if you want to take a look, go to the Scam Scandals and Shadiness Forum and read my long report on Lock Poker. This is when they were on the Merge Network. But uh, they did so many things where they made so many promises that they broke. Uh, they held a contest where one of their own pros cheated to win it, was super obvious about it, and Lock tried to sweep it under the rug and still let the guy win. I mean, th- there were so many things that happened. At Lock Poker, there was a, a thing where they offered people extra rake back and then went back on giving the extra rake back. 
and, and let this drag for nine months with people arguing about it on 2 Plus 2. It's, it's just unbelievable what this company does over and over and over again to screw people, to not keep their promises. Uh, Lock Poker is really the shadiest poker site that I know of that's in operation that isn't some like tiny fly-by-night operation. As far as like semi-stable poker sites go that are in operation right now, uh, Lock is probably the worst one. And of course, I'm not talking about the ones that are already pretty much dead and just not paying anyone. I'm talking about uh, ones that have any kind of decent traffic, are active, and uh, you know aren't completely in the toilet and gone. So, Lock Poker left Merge in June of 2012, and they bought the Cake Network. Cake was already pretty troubled, so they took over the Cake Network, and they called it Revolution Gaming. And they've had nothing but trouble there ever since. Both software trouble and payout pr- trouble. But it's gotten to really a terrible point. It's gotten just really, really bad. And uh, among other things, it takes 10 weeks minimum now to get paid on Lock Poker. 10 weeks minimum. And this is actually in the official Lock Poker forum on 2 Plus 2. And you you got to question Mason Malmuth because he's still taking ads from Lock Poker. They're still a sponsor of 2 Plus 2. In fact, I see it right now. I'm on 2 Plus 2 right now, and there is an advertisement for the Lock Lotto, whatever the hell that is. Some promotion they have there. So they I have. Th- I believe two, they, there's a lot of talk about this in the about the forum section of 2 Plus 2, and their stance seems to be that they they can't be held responsible for the actions of, of their sponsors. For example, um, they also use Google Ads, I think, or some equivalent, some sort of ad network. And, you know, just any sort of ad could come up there. And they, they don't feel that uh, it's it's their responsibility to the users, you know, what sort of ethics those businesses have that are serving yeah. ads. Uh, see, I, I don't agree with that stance of Mason's. I don't agree with a lot of things Mason does. But they actually stopped taking ads from UB and AP when that whole scandal was going on. And they did this because... If they didn't, it would have looked really bad because Mason was trying to position the site as the site that broke this whole story about AP and UB. And they were. But uh, for that reason, they couldn't continue taking ads of AP and UB because they knew they were in the spotlight. But now that they're out of the spotlight again, the national media spotlight, uh, they take ads from sites like Lock Poker, and they're taking direct ads. They have a sponsored forum. I'm looking right now, there's a Lock Poker sponsored support forum. And yeah, what, those those specialized forums are not cheap. Yeah, so it's in the five figures, I believe. Wow, that's true. Okay, so I mean, a, a sponsored support forum when Lock Poker has done so many shady things that are undeniable. I don't know why they keep taking the ads, other than the fact that Mason Malmuth is greedy and wants the money. I mean, there's no doubt. This isn't like I think Lock may be shady. I think Lock might not be what they say. I think Lock might break a lot of promises and screw their customers over time and time again. I mean, they are. This is the truth. It, it, I can prove this in so many ways. Not just me. Everybody's proven this in so many ways. And Mason keeps taking their money. Because one thing Locke has shown is that they are willing to spend money. They spend money on 2 plus 2. They spend money on pros. They spend money on marketing. And they seem pretty good at it. And that's because the CEO of Locke, Jennifer Larson, was a marketer. She was a career marketer. So... She's good at that. And a lot of times people in the poker community, especially including ones that represent themselves as pillars of the community that want to protect it, like Mason Malmuth, 
when it comes to taking money from shady entities, they, they really want to look the other way. And uh, that was one of the pledges I made when I started PokerFraudAlert.com, and I'm going to keep. And it's easy for me to keep now because nobody wants to sponsor the site. But uh, even if people did want to sponsor the site, and it was a shady company, I would not take those ads. I would not take an ad from anyone that I know is a shady company and that is going, that's going to lead our users into a situation that they won't be happy with. So I really wish 2 plus 2, which is the biggest poker forum by far, would take that stance, but they did not. That's a very fair point, that they're t- and that's sort of a questionable thing to do. To be fair, they're not censoring opposition to Locke or criticism of Locke. I've seen a lot of very harsh uh, outrage and criticisms of Locke poker discussed on 2 plus 2, and as far as I know, that's not being silenced. Yeah, they're not silencing it, but however, they they are allowing these ads up there. They're allowing the you know the official lock forum up there for support and all that. Like they they really are kind of giving their stamp of approval this way, and it really misleads the users, especially ones that don't follow all this stuff very closely. Which is really most of the users. There's a very small percentage of people who closely follow all the happenings of these sorts of scandals on two plus two. So if they lose a few of those people, big deal. As long as the general public says, oh, yeah, lock poker, oh, yeah, 2 plus 2, I, I trust them. Okay, let's go play there. How many, how many people do you think are like that? How many people do you think are playing at lock and have no idea about these issues that keep constantly coming oh, a, up? Oh, a very large percentage, just like on AP. I mean, when, when AP went down for the final time yeah, after Black Friday, most of the people who were active players there did not know. And when I say active players, I don't mean the grinders who, who played for a living. Those people all knew. But the average casual player, the average donkey you were playing against in your absolute poker games, had no clue of what had happened there before, and that's why they were playing there. And those people I felt very sorry for when they lost their money. The ones I did not feel sorry for are the ones that uh, continued playing there and supporting there after uh, everything that happened. But getting back to lock poker, uh, they, they're they a mess right now. Uh, it actually says in the lock forum on 2 Plus 2... Lock poker cash out thread, parentheses, 10 week minimum wait. This is not a, a user's opinion. This is actually in the official lock poker thread or lock poker forum of 2 plus 2 that they paid. Is that for. the thread? Is that in the thread title? Yes. 10, 10 week minimum. Case? Yes. Okay. That's, that's in the thread title. And believe me, if that was not true, lock poker would not allow that to be uh, that title of the thread in their own forum. The reason they're allowing this is because that's the truth. It is a 10-week minimum wait, and some people are reporting three-, four-, and five-month waits. And, uh, and of course, these are not even predictable waits. It's not like you cash out and it says, okay, it's going to be four months. And you say, okay, four months, and you count four months and you get the check. I mean, it still sucks, but at least it's predictable. Here, they tell you it'll be four to six weeks, six to eight weeks, and then it just keeps dragging and dragging and dragging. And there's some unbelievable stories coming out of there. Well, I should say they're believable stories because of who we're dealing with. Uh, Stories such as someone requested a cash out in October. Nothing was done. Drag, drag, drag. Finally, in December, they were told that their check was sent. So time dragged. And, uh, you know, here we are towards the end of January. So this (laughs) this person goes to lock customer service through the chat feature. And, you know, all these online poker rooms, when you go down to the chat feature, it's a disaster. 
Like the the very very worst support you get, pretty much with all They're, companies. Well, it's outsourced, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's why it's so terrible. So you get you get some third world monkey who has no clue. So th- that's all you can talk to. And that's a little uh, bit racist, Ruff. <laughs> and uh, you you talk to this person, and uh, so anyway, this person was asking like, when did my check go out? And the person says, we show a check was cut to such and such person at this address. He said, no, that's not what I'm asking. What the hell? Someone's actually calling my room here. That's not the Mount Charleston phone, is it? No. That's not. That's, a, that's the hotel phone. That's the hotel phone. You better pick it up. No, no I, I, <laughs> I, I don't want to go over there and stop the show. I, mean, like, I, I bet it's going to be some stupid thing like, uh, hello, sir. Uh, we've noticed there's a do not disturb sign in your room. Are you sure you don't want turn down service? <laughs> It'd be funny if it's like, hello, sir. We noticed you're doing a radio show from your room, which is against the internet terms of service. So, okay, whatever it is. I mean, maybe they're upset that you got around their uh, their port blocking. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, um, port blocking, jeez. Yeah, they actually made port blocking here. It's pretty sad. So, uh, anyway, they they actually told this person who had been waiting since October, and here he is chatting three months later, saying, "When when did my check get sent out in December? Can you tell me the exact day?" And the rep says, "I'm sorry, we don't have access to that system. All we can tell you is your check was sent to this address." How can I find this out? I don't know. He's told, and it just—he cannot even get an answer as to what day his check was sent out in December. And of course, he has not received it a month later. So a lot of people are starting to think that this is not just a matter of Locke having trouble finding payment processors, but maybe it's that Locke does not have very much money to pay out. Maybe are the cashouts capped? I don't know about that. Um, I, I know someone was saying they were waiting for 7K. I, I'm not sure if they're capped. Maybe someone okay. in the chat room can tell me. I, I recall, don't play I don't, that used to be the case with Merge, I believe. I don't know if it still is, but uh, if you had a lot of money in your account, there were delays in actually getting your checks and the cap. So yeah. with those two factors combined, if you had a lot of money, it could take years and years, <laughs> yeah. hypothetically, you know, 30 years or something to get all your money out. Right. I think there's a guy in our chat room, Spew Artist, who's a nice guy. I met him in person, actually, over the summer. But he says, playing on lockdown if anyone wants action. <laughs> I wonder if he's listening to the show. We're actually talking about lock and how shady they are. Um, unless it's some joke I'm not getting. But, but if the cash outs were capped on lock and it's a 10-week minimum, then that's that would be insane if you had any significant amount of money on there. It might just be... You might just be totally screwed. Yeah, so... Uh, Anyway, they're, they're having disastrous cash-out problems. They're just getting worse. I, I wonder if someone's trying to call me here. Did you order a pizza? No. You know what? I'm, you, you talk seriously. I'm going to go answer this phone here. I'm going to go okay. answer it. Hang on. I'm just going to go answer the phone. <laughs> he asked me to talk, but I'm just going to eavesdrop. I'm doing a radio show. What do you want? I, I think someone's. I think people are trying to call around and guess which hotel I'm at, and someone figured it out. I think that's what happened. I, really? I, I answered. Nobody talked. So I, I just. Does, any, does anybody know what city you're in? Even? Uh, some people know. Okay. So it's not. Well, you need to keep your secret locations a little more secret. I, I guess. So I actually took the phone off the hook so this doesn't keep happening. Okay. So if someone's trying to call me with an emergency, uh, I, I guess it's going to have to wait till the end of the show. So. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, Lock Poker 
the cash out problems are getting worse, as I said. People are, are suspecting that they're low on money. And uh, not only that, but uh, their, uh, their pros are very, very numerous. Extremely numerous. Uh, let me go to their website right now, lockpoker.com. And, uh, sorry, lockpoker.eu. You know, just in case the government wants to bust them, which they should. Do they still have those DOJ emblems when you try to go to the dot coms? No, it just forwards you over there. They, I mean, they never got in trouble, Lock Poker. Right. So let me see. Lock Pros. Let's see if I can find them here. Uh, someone said there's 34 Lock Pros. Uh, but before I say that, I want to see if that's actually true. Oh, there's a lot. And most of them are people I've never heard of. Yeah, it's like full tilt. I think it's a bad sign when a poker site has all these pros you've never heard of. You're like, where yeah. the hell are they getting the money to pay all these people, and why are they accumulating so many pros? Like, I, I think that's kind of like a sign of shadiness now. Ever since the, it happened with Full Tilt, yeah. So here it is. We have the grinder, Mike Mizraki, who's taking some heat over what's happening there. We'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, Felipe Ramos, Annette Oberstad, Melanie Weisner, who I've had on a previous show that I was part of, Chris Mormon, Eric Lynch, who's also the poker room manager. Uh, it was one, you know, Eric Lynch, from what I knew before, was a very uh, straightforward, trusted guy, and I, I've really been disappointed in him. So wait, he has two jobs at Lock? He's a sponsored pro and a manager? Yeah, he wears a lot of caps over there. Huh. And then we have uh, Nikki Evans, Paul Volpe, Pedro Maya, Jason Lee, Greg Tiller, Jared Hubbard, Casey Jarzebeck. Yeah, I don't know most of these people. Brian Pellegrino, Michael Drummond. This is not related to uh, Philip Drummond, who just died this week. Of uh, different strokes. This is uh, Michael Drummond. Maybe it's Philip Drummond's grandson. Um, Brett Youngblood of the crew, Gank. You know that's actually an interesting one. And you know I've always liked Gank. I've always gotten along with him. But if some of you don't know, Gank was very much involved with the Occupy Las Vegas. Thing that was going on here, which is like the Vegas extension of Occupy Wall Street. He was he was very big on that. He was very uh, anti the big corporations and, and all that stuff that that Occupy movement was about last year. And uh, I found that kind of surprising that someone who is so into that and so into social justice would still be representing Lock Poker, and he's not one of their major pros. But he was also very outspoken about what went on at UB and AP. I mean, I it's kind of anal- it's, it sounds kind of analogous to uh, Prahlad Freeman's situation. Yeah, I mean, not quite as bad. I don't want to compare him to Prahlad, but uh, he, he didn't get cheated himself out of hundreds of thousands and then come back and tell everyone it's safe to play. Well, but, even that aside, he was very anti-corporate. Yes, kind of yes. That, that is, I'll never sell out, ever. Right. Now, again, Gank did not say that, but yes, that uh, there, there is some similarities here. And... Uh, you know, obviously, poker pros, they have to put food on the table. They have to pay their rent. And if, if they're struggling financially for whatever reason, and there's a lot of reasons why poker pros struggle financially. Some is because they're just not winning. Some because they don't keep a big enough bankroll, play above their head, have other leaks. You know, you know the whole story. But I understand if you've gone bust and it's a matter of being out on the street or signing with a company like Locke and it's hard to say no. It's easier to say no when you can afford not to. But still. It just does surprise me when you have people like Gank who claim to be so socially conscious that that then turn a blind eye to what Locke is doing. 
So, uh, and I've asked him about this before, and he didn't answer me. And we're not close friends or anything, so he just didn't answer me when I asked him online, and I said, screw it. But, you know, when I see things like that, I go, you know, it's just, you got to think about it. If you're, if you're one of these people, you got to think about who you're representing. And a lot of poker pros are just degenerates who don't give a crap about anything. And those people I can actually respect a little bit more being part of something like Locke than someone who, who really believes they're socially conscious. And then, and then somehow gives themselves an excuse of why it's okay to, to be a lock poker pro and promote lock poker. Anyway, uh, then we also have uh, Stephen Devlin, Matt Stout, Brian Martinez, Francisco Costa, and Jason Young. Oh, we have more. I would say that uh, Chris Mormon is the shining star of that whole crew. Probably their most impressive pickup. I, I guess no, aside from no, his no, Rocky. Rocky. His Rockies, but yeah. Well, and Annette Overstad, pretty big too. Yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, but yeah, Chris Mormon too. I mean, so there's some big names here. That, so the four that have really been getting flack recently, and we'll talk about that. Uh, me, you know what? We're getting a call here. Let's take a call. Call you on the air. Hello. Yes. Hello. Hi. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, this whole uh, lock poker business. Oh, yeah. uh, just, just, the, uh, hang on a second. Uh, you, you can you can tell me, but who is this? Who's calling? Uh, my name's Steve. Steve. Okay. Uh, uh, do you have a name on the on the site or not? Well, I, I, to be honest, I'd rather not. I'd okay. Rather no, a little bit more no problem. Anonymous. No problem. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think that they're great. Uh, I I don't see why people have a problem with them. I mean, poker's a shady business anyway. You know, as you say, there are a lot of degenerates out there. Uh, I think that we should, uh, you know, support people who are degenerate, uh, like ourselves. Well, so what don't you have a problem with here? You realize Locke is not paying people, it, you know, in, in the time frame where they claim they would get paid. They've done a ton of other shady things last year, including, uh, you know, outright cheating people and, uh, you know, cheating people at what they promised they'd get or uh, having a contest where someone cheated and won one of their own pros. And, and then they covered it up. I mean, these these are pretty bad things that you can't... Uh... Well, yeah, I understand that these are extremely serious uh, things, but, you know, I think that that's all in the past. Um, I mean, they do take a long time to pay people, but so does any other site that operates in the U.S. Um, I think that that's just a natural consequence of trying to play in the U.S. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, you've got to give these people a break and, and understand that everyone makes mistakes. But but and, but it keeps the mistakes keep happening. This isn't a company that that had a whole bunch of problems. And these weren't mistakes, by the way. These were pretty bad attempts to actually rip people off that they just got caught. But but putting that aside, even if you want to say that in 2013 they've gotten their act clean up and they're not going to have these problems they had last year and they're going to be honest from this point forward, they haven't been. They they are still not paying people when they're telling them they will. Uh, they're not communicating with people well. Uh, they they are hiring pro after pro after pro and uh, not explaining why these pros get paid and the players it's taking so long. Uh, th- there's a lot of things going on there, and they're having big-time software issues that would be excusable at the beginning, but they've been running the software since June, and when they do have the software issues and the server crashes, they don't compensate the players properly. They, they, always, they always find whatever way they can to get out of paying what they should, to get out of doing what's right. Uh, j- let me give no. you an... Uh, sorry, what were we going to say? Well, when we, when we talk about software issues and stuff like that, I mean, that's that's uh, always going to be a difficult situation uh, because it is very difficult for people to determine exactly what is fair and what isn't, you know? 
Well, it, it's not. Like, for example, if... Uh, uh, and I'm just making this one up. Let, let's say I enter a tournament for, uh, uh, for, for $109, and then uh, the software crashes in the middle. Uh, they owe me my $109 back. Now, let's say... Let's say I had a, a whole lot of chips there. Let's say we were very close to cashing at that point, but nobody's cashed yet, and the, and the whole thing crashes. Then I was the chip leader. A a company that is having routine problems like this, and then has a crash of their server, would do something for the people who are really in good shape to to cash a lot of money there. Uh, they they wouldn't just say, "Well, tough luck." Our terms say that if our servers crash, you get nothing. I mean, they, they find every way possible. To not give people what they really deserve, they they find every way possible to worm out of paying people what they owe, and uh, you know, in fact, there was a uh, there was a problem recently where the server crashed for some people and not others, I guess, uh, so to so where certain people were still still able to steal blinds where, while others were forced to sit out. So what they did hmm. was th- was they did like a chop among among everybody who was remaining in the tournament. But the chop was based upon chip counts, so people said, "Well, can't you go back and adjust?" You know, based upon the people who stole those blinds when a lot of us were disconnected. This wasn't our fault; we were disconnected. Your server crashed for some people and not others. It should go back to when it first crashed, not when it not uh, you know not after some people kept stealing blinds after it only crashed for some of the people, and and they didn't adjust it. They just paid out, and and the people who got to steal blinds, everybody else gone. They they got extra money. These are the type of things Loctis does not correct. They don't. They you don't have people who are ethical that stand up and say, "Wait a minute, this is not fair to the people who got disconnected from the server while other others weren't." That those people who stayed on get more. They shouldn't get more. We should go mm-hmm. back and fix this. Like they don't go back and fix these things. They just say, "Okay, we're just doing a chop." There you go. People bring up the problem with it. They don't care. They and they ignore you. They have terrible response, terrible support, and not only that. There's a guy named Shane who. Um, who does the two plus two uh, kind of support in the official lock forum? Uh, when people complain, he eventually gets angry and obnoxious with people and, and gives them a hard time, as if they uh, you know have some nerve bringing these problems up or, or, or criticizing what they're criticizing. Uh, he gets frustrated with people for not being patient. I just this this site has just from start to finish has always done shady things and had trouble. And if I had to predict which poker site that still exists today is going to eventually have a major major scandal like what happened at Full Tilt or UB, I would say lock because everything points to mm. it. So that's... Uh, well, I, I understand where you're coming from, of course. I mean, these incidents are uh, not what you would expect in the normal marketplace, uh, but you know, we do not agree that even operating in the US is a shady business and we should sort of expect the people who are prepared to do that uh, to be shady. Well, uh, I have said that any time you play on a poker site these days, if you're from the U.S., uh, you are risking your money. Even on Merge, which mm. I think is the safest one, you're still risking your money. But that doesn't just give the ones that are running it a license to steal or, or a pass to steal or a pass to screw people in other ways. They, uh, they still should be held to ethical standards. Uh, just, yes, you're taking a risk. I'm not saying that uh, there's any online poker site you can put your money on right now and feel 100% secure with your money. There's a risk for all of them. I just feel it's much higher there, and I, I think a lot of these things that are happening over on Lock are a very bad sign. 
Hmm. Do you think that the uh, answer to this type of thing is to play on uh, perhaps a site like Seals with Clubs? or another type of Bitcoin poker site? Well, uh, Bitcoin poker is... is, I'm not going to comment on Seals with Clubs because, as you guys probably know, that's run by uh, um, a former partner of mine, and we we have an agreement that I'm not going to discuss that site so I'm not going to oh, break that. I'm not going to break. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Oh, you didn't realize that. Okay. Uh, no. no, that's uh, so. I'm not going to talk about seals with clubs, but uh, you know, Bitcoin okay. poker in general, that's got a whole different set of issues that you know maybe I'll talk about some other time. And uh, I've talked about it on the show previously, but um, really, there's no really secure online poker option for the U.S. right now, and that's I, I don't even play online poker anymore because of this. Yeah, I mean, I mean that that's that's my basic point, really that. Um, to, to expect a huge level of uh, you know professionalism and uh, ethical standards in the U.S. market today, I mean you're really uh, barking up the wrong tree. Uh, you know it's it's just not a realistic proposition, uh, and and that's sort of what I'm saying. And I think that um, we have to manage our expectations. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, you can. Uh, that's definitely true. But I, I just don't want to give a pass to those that are being shady here. That, that's all I'm saying here. No, no, I, I want to no, call no, them no, out. I, I want to call no. them out anyway, and, and then the user can decide. So, that's. Do you have anything else, caller? Cool. Well, thank you very much for uh, letting me speak. Okay, no problem. Thank you, Steve. Sure. Bye-bye. So, Steve from probably from Scotland. I didn't ask if he's from Scotland, but he probably was. Would, would you say that? I would say so. Although I'm <laughs> awful with the accents. So, I don't want to offend people and say, "Oh, you're Irish, right?" <laughs> Be wrong. <laughs> So uh, anyway, uh, they they are so they're having a lot of software problems there where the the, the server actually crashes. I'm not even saying like the software itself uh, crashes. Like the, their server on their end crashes, which is really bad, uh, and that's it's been happening a lot. It's just a mess over there, and and they have all these pros that they're hiring despite that. Uh, I I think this is one step calling it. Hello. Call What's... from unknown caller. Jeez. To accept, press one to send a voice. Caller. Hey, what's up, Drew? It's China. China, hello. So, one step, are you going to talk? All right. One step didn't talk for some reason. If that was him, if that was his area code. Anyway, China, go ahead. What would you like to say? Yeah, I just want to say that guy that just called uh, is a little bit. I can kind of see what he's saying about um, not. Um, you know, about it be, not being regulated and expecting some of that stuff, but that doesn't mean the lock should get a pass. I mean, you got everybody on the, the winning poker network cashing people out in three or four days with the debit cards, like two weeks with checks. Intertops is on the same network as lock, and they cash people out in three days. In some cases, um, the debit cards in like 48 hours. So the biggest, the site with the most players lock, why do we give them a pass when they're signing all these pros? If anything, they should be getting slammed by everybody in the poker media right now. No, they no should. One should be giving them a pass. No, I, I agree. And by the way, someone just asked in the chat room, Bubbles, who's a, a loyal listener of this program, and appreciate that. Uh, he asked, "Why don't I shit on Merge?" And I know Bubbles does not like Merge. He, he has his own issues with them. Uh, but I'll tell you, I'm not a Merge apologist. And I said this. I wrote a report on Merge when they were uh, kind of knocking out all their skins. And, and uh, right. that's what ended up really happening. But I, I wrote a report at a time when most people did not know what the hell was going on over there. 
right. like at the beginning of November, at end of October, and when they were taking away the player-to-player transfers. And as you can see, I did not write glowing things about them. I said a lot of things that I'm yeah. sure merge managers and owners would be unhappy to see that I wrote. That you know, I'm definitely no sure. merge ass kisser. Uh, as you see, I have no sponsors. I have no reason to uh, take up for merge. And uh, I, I real, I'm not anti-merge, but I'm not pro-merge. And I, I've definitely spoken well, out bo- when, whenever they've screwed things up. Right. The bottom line is merge hasn't ripped anybody off. I mean, their checks have been consistently a month to two months, but they pay everybody. They pay euros in a week or two. And that's another thing about Locke. They can't even pay rest of the world plays. It's taking two months for money bookers. That's a good point. Which take, that's a good you know, point. You know what? Right. I would, they're, they're instant on poker stars in, in this this site's taking 50 days to cash them out. Right, and that's what's especially concerning. And, and I forgot to mention that, and that's a very good point. And uh, I, I was going to mention it, but thank you very much for bringing that up because I, I forgot it otherwise. Uh, when a site cannot cash out non-U.S. players quickly, there's a problem. Because you guys remember a long right. time ago NetTeller, when we could all use NetTeller, and you could just instantly cash out to NetTeller. Bang! You, you just get your money immediately. Well, it's not quite like that anymore, but it's close. Like like PokerStars, super fast for non-U.S. players, and uh, it, it's it's instant to money bookers on PokerStars. That's you right, click, and money bookers, right? They, could, my buddy says you just click it; it's in the account like a second later. Right. Know? So so uh, so you can get these instant money bookers cash outs on stars. Just about every site, including Merge, is very quick with the non-U.S. player cash outs, and when a site like Lock is slow. With non-U.S. player cash-outs, you know it's not just an issue of trying to find a payment processor like Chad Ellie or Jeremy Johnson who's willing to risk going to jail to process U.S. payments. Because that, that is a reason for a lot of the slowness for payouts on all sites for U.S. players. But when it's non-U.S. players where that issue doesn't exist, they should be quick. And when they're not quick, that's very suspicious. So... They say on lock we have segregated funds. That doesn't mean anything. Anyone could say they have segregated funds. Full Tilt, after Black Friday, put up a message. Uh, sorry, we're not. Uh, we're closing down for now, but your money's safe. They actually put up a message. Your money's safe. Your money wasn't safe. It was gone. So it doesn't matter what the sites say. You, they, they have to provide right. proof that's verified by a trusted entity that they do segregate player accounts. And even though Merge has not provided that proof, and and they there's a good chance they don't segregate accounts either. At least they are paying people without difficulty, and uh, Lock is not. And it, it's very concerning what's going on there. So if I had my, if you have money on Lock that you care about, when I say care about, I mean like to where you'll be really pissed if if it ends up you can't get it and the money gets stolen. I would cash out because it, things are not looking yeah. good over there. Yeah, I mean, as of this past summer, funds on Lock were selling on two plus two for like. 90 cents if you wanted a bank wire. Now they're going for like 65, 70 cents. And it's just, uh, you know, it's just ridiculous. And I even heard of a case where there was a, there was a lock pro that was getting my buddy who played on lock. He was getting them wires. Like my buddy would get five, 10 K wires here and there. And then the pro came to him and asked him for a lot. If he could get them wires off somehow, my buddy's like, no. And he thought it was kind of fishy. And the guy, um, the guy wound up selling like 250k or something like that in lock funds, and he's a pro for the site, and he sold them off for like 70 cents. This was about six to eight weeks ago. So that just goes to show you 
how much faith even the pros over there have in the site when they're selling their own funds for 70 cents. Yeah, so I would definitely watch out over there with that. I mean, it's just it's just in bad shape, and there's a lot of red flags. And uh, and they, they've been struggling ever since they they left Merge and, and bought the uh, the Cake Network. So uh, it's it's definitely got yeah. uh, got a lot of issues. It's just a, it's a matter of, it's a matter of time before the time bomb goes off. That's yeah, that's what that's what I've said. I, I just yeah. seem to really believe that there's going to be a Call major from unknown major caller. scandal. I don't know why press Skype press does this one. sometimes. Just send a voicemail. Really... Press two. Call you on the air. Hello. Is this one step? Uh, yeah, can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Oh, yeah, you, you screwed up the phones earlier, that's why. I don't think it was my fault, um, go ahead. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was your fault, but that's okay. Um, I'm surprised, you know, I'm, I feel very offended that you didn't uh, mention today's holiday. And, and you know, say a little bit about, you know, everything, you know, that they contributed. Well, go ahead one step. Uh, tell Tell us about what they contributed. Okay. Well, well. To summarize very quickly, uh, a Schwartz made a speech. Another Schwartz shot him. Uh, the end. Okay. Thank you. And and that's 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 pretty much it. But I have an idea for a prank call. Maybe you can you can hear me out on this. All right. Uh, since today is obviously Martin Luther King Jr., uh, I was thinking maybe you can call up uh, Las Vegas Soul Food Restaurants. And you can ask for the Martin Luther King Jr. special. And when they tell you that they don't have any, uh, I can offer my uh, expertise on, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, my Schwarz chicken uh, with sweet berry sauce. I don't know where you're going Are with you? this. I don't even know where you're going well, with this. Well, no, I mean, you, you just, all, all you need to do is call up uh, a, a Las Vegas soul food restaurant, and then let me do the do the talking, and I guarantee you it's going to be gold. I'm, I'm afraid we're not going to make uh, racist phone calls on this show. No, no, it won't be. I, I swear to you, I won't say anything. I won't, no, the, I won't you're not going to say, say anything. The, this whole, it doesn't matter. This whole concept is racist. We're not going to make racist phone calls on this show. Come on here. It's not racist. It's just off color. No, we're not doing it. No. No. Okay. All right, Jeff. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. One step. I believe they prefer the term African American, <laughs> not off color. Yeah, no, we're not going to do that here. So, so anyway, uh, it wasn't even a funny concept of the call either. It's not even like it was racist, but it would have been hilarious. Like I, I didn't even get what the humor was in this call. So, all right. Uh, so China, yeah, you know, you you're you're right about that, and uh, you, you might as well stay on for the other for the related discussion of lock poker. This is about the pros sure. with, uh, you know, Jonathan Aguiar, who, who loves to make waves uh, in a similar way that I do. You know, he he and I have some similarities where he likes to you know, take things in poker that are not right. Moral failings of either uh, players or organizations and call them out. And right. uh, he's been calling out Michael Mizraki for being a lock pro when they're having such a hard time paying people and not even being honest with people about the wait times on their checks and asking, you know, how can you promote lock poker? How can you be their main pro with all this going on? Right. Why don't you say, I, I don't want to have my name associated with this? And uh, um, I, as far as I can tell, he didn't respond. Now, let me tell you personally what I know of Michael Mizrock. He He's not someone who's my friend. 
I don't know him really well, but on the other hand, I do know him a little bit. Uh, whenever I see him, he says hello. Uh, we've played at the same table a number of times, both live and online. Um, in my experiences with the grinder, he's actually a nice, soft-spoken guy. And and I haven't seen him cheat anyone. He is a huge degenerate. I, I've watched him blow off a ton of money in the pits. Uh, he actually bought a tour bus at one point. I mean, the, the guy just blows money like it's going out of style. And had he not had his huge run in 2010, uh, he was he would be in horrendous shape. There, in fact, there was a, a magazine article that came out about him in 2010, just before he had that huge World Series about what financial trouble he was in. And he, he kind of climbed out of it, even though he's you know he was in a lot of makeup and he didn't keep all the money he won. And he may not he may even be semi broke right now. Despite has it, hasn't he taken some heat for being kind of a kind of an enabler for Chino Ream? That too. So it's interesting that with Michael Mizraki, I think people should understand at least from what I can see of him what, what his story is. And I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but uh, this is someone who I don't really see a, as being a bad person and doesn't even seem to really have shadiness to him. Uh, but on the other hand, he's kind of apathetic uh, for someone who's a very good poker player. In, in non-poker matters, he's kind of out of it. And I'm not trying to insult him here. He just he just doesn't pay attention. So uh, right. he has he, he likes having kind he's of like an on- just he's probably just collecting a check. He just wants a check. Right, right. So so, so uh, and, and I'm not defending this. I'm just I'm just telling you what what's going on with him. Uh, like for example, Chino Reem. Why, why did he enable Chino Reem so so long? Uh, there was like this Florida group of players that uh, he was part of. You know, there's a uh, the grinder was from Hollywood, Florida, and there was a group of poker players from there, including Chino Ream. And he became very close with some of these people. And and even when Chino Ream kept embarrassing him and kept name dropping him and then you know screwing people over, and uh, you know I, I heard the grinder even sometimes bailed uh, Chino out for for some of these bad debts. Um, he. It's not like he wa- he wanted to take up for Chino Ream or or uh, or continues being his friend because he's okay with the scamming that Chino was doing. It it was more that this is just like an old friend of his from the old days of poker that that he just doesn't want to drop. He's just not that guy. He's he's not someone who says, "Oh my God, Chino, what you've been doing? I I can't I can't stand this anymore. I I have to take a stand. We can't be friends anymore." That that's not the grinder. The grinder likes you. He's going to be your friend, even if you do sh- crappy things behind the scenes. He'll stay your friend. That, that's just what the grinder's like. He, he's he's kind of like a laid-back, soft-spoken guy. And it's funny because you know, before I met him in person, um, and I had seen pictures of him and stuff, I, I just pictured like he was going to be like arrogant and and uh, someone I'd really dislike. But he wasn't at all. I actually found him, as I said, to be like soft-spoken and uh, and low-key. And, and that's what I think he is to this day. But uh, I can guarantee the situation with Lock Poker is he just wants the paycheck. They approached him and said, "Hey, do you want to?" Be our main pro. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, Lock Poker. Yeah, I've, I've heard of you guys. Yeah, and, you know, one of the bigger U.S. facing sites. He agrees to be their pro, and uh, he does not follow the news about this. Now he's been made aware of what's going on, but he just, similar to the situation with Chino, he just doesn't want to get involved. I'm not saying he shouldn't. He definitely should. He just doesn't. So the question is, the question is, when you have a guy like. Uh, the grinder. Can he actually use the excuse of I don't read forums? 
I don't really follow this stuff. If I do follow this stuff, I don't know enough about it. Uh, this, it, you know, they're just paying me to wear a patch. It, it's just not really my business. Like, if you confronted the grinder, that's what he'd say. Or he'd say, hey, I'll look into it. And then he really wouldn't do anything. And again, it's not I, because yeah. the, the grinder wants to cheat you. He just doesn't care. This just isn't him to be involved in these things. So the question is, should it be him? Should all pros, and I'm going to ask you guys here, should all pros who represent these sites be expected to make sure that the site's on the up and up, or at the very least, if they hear it's not and these reports are credible, should they be expected to say, I'm walking away, screw you guys if you don't fix things real real soon? What, what, they what should you... understand what it means when they get signed and when they get sponsored. Yeah. What it means is that their yeah. face and their likeness is being used to advertise the site. It's an endorsement. It's you lending your name to it and saying, hey, I'm uh, I'm Michael Mizraki and I play at Lock Poker and my name is my bond. You should come play here because I say everything's on the up and up and it's a great site and that's that's what Lock's buying. That's why Lock signs these people. Some guys might not really understand that. They might think I'm just doing a job where I get a patch and I take some photos and that's it and I'm done. My hands are washed of it and I cash my check. So if you if you don't really fully understand the implications, perhaps you're not guilty. But some guys do understand that. Yeah. They just don't care. Well, like, like here's a good, a good example for UB was Brandon Cantu. I guarantee Brandon Cantu knew nothing about the scandal. He knew there was a scandal, but he knew very little about it. You could put a gun to his head and say, tell me everything you know about the scandal, or I'm going to shoot you, and he could barely tell you anything. Because uh, he, th- that's just not him. Brandon Cantu liked the strip clubs. He liked the degen side of Vegas. He, he didn't want to read forums and, uh, and delve into the scandal of UB or even hear about it. So the, the question is, though... Uh, shouldn't he be... Shouldn't he be? Shouldn't they be accountable to at least look up and see exactly what they're sponsoring? Yeah, I see. So I agree. I, I agree with you. What you say, seriously, serious, and you, China. I agree with this. That the, ignorance is not an excuse here. The, the, when you put your name on something, and when you're wearing a patch saying Lock Poker, you're saying I approve of Lock Poker. Come play on Lock Poker because I support it. Because uh, you know I represent them. Because I this is a company I believe in. And and while a celebrity endorser, which is kind of what they are, they don't have to. They're not responsible legally for things that the company does. Um, anyone who considers themselves a good person, if they know they're representing a shady company, should step back and say, "No, no, no, I, I don't want to represent you." And that's different than even running ads for the company. It's worse than what Mason's doing of being willing to let them run ads because here you're actually giving your personal stamp of approval to these companies that are shady. So you're putting your name on the line. Yeah. I think at this point, because of all the problems Locke had last year and now this year, it's time for all the pros associated with them, including the grinder to stand up and say, we want answers. We want to see major changes over here where we're walking. And a lot of them can't do this because they can't afford to, but they should anyway. Right. Right. Now, a lot of people ask, yeah, "What is it?" Go ahead, China. Yeah, I was gonna say, especially a lot of these U.S. guys, like, like you were saying, a guy like Mizraki. I don't know his financial situation, but like you said, he shoots all. He's known to shoot off huge in the pits, and probably not the best guy when it comes to bankroll management. So you get a guy like that, you know, they're gonna snap. Accept the check every time. 
it's either that or a borrow or whatever. It's a free check. That's probably just the way they look at it. Yeah, that's the problem. Is exactly. They say it's a free check. I'm just advertising for a company. I'm not running it. I'm not actually making a claim that this is a good company or it's safe to play there. I'm just I'm just wearing their patch. I'm just wearing their hat. But no, you're not. That's not why. They're not paying you to wear a hat. They're paying you to be associated with their brand. And in fact, the grinder apparently really plays Unlock Poker. And that especially will attract people. Because you know, a lot of people love the grinder. And uh, a lot of you know the typical poker players, the typical casual players say, Oh, cool. I can go unlock and actually play with a grinder. How often do you get to do that? Because he, when is his is his brother approached to Eric because um he try he actually tried to sit me and play me at thirty sixty a few weeks ago and um you know the name was Eric Mizraki and I I, I didn't, wasn't sure if he was a pro there. Uh, or let what. me see. I mean he's he sponsored there too. I I don't see him. No, no, I don't see him. I, I guess he's just there as Eric Mizraki. No, uh, Eric never did very much in uh, in poker. It's, it's funny because there's there's four brothers there. And I think one year, I think it was 2010, all four of them cashed. But it, it kind of goes right. down. Like you have the, the best one being uh, Michael Mizraki, who's been very successful. Uh, then you have uh, Robert Mizraki, who ha- had his moment, but he hasn't done much in a long time. Uh, but, but he's still a decent player. And then you have Eric, who uh, has never really broken through and, and was kind of perpetually broke. And then you have the fourth one. I don't even know what his name is. <laughs> he, I don't even know if he even played much, but some, somehow he managed to cash also in the uh, 2010 World Series. But you know, and, and from what I know, the grinder's also been very nice to his brothers and you know, taking care of them when they were struggling and uh, taking care of his mom. Like he, uh, there's a lot of good things that can be said about him. But but it is time for him and all the other pros, including Melanie Wisner, who, by the way, you know, is is one of the major pros there. She's she's pretty popular herself. Just for being a pretty girl who who plays poker and, and is on the major tournament scene, so right. uh, I think there's even fewer excuses for people that were full tilt pros and then moved on to lock, and there are several. It's <laughs> a, a good point. It's a good point that uh, like you can you can you can say I'm just cashing a check and none of this has anything to do with me, and you can think that and you can really believe it, but. Everyone else isn't going to feel the same way, and when things sure, when things go wrong, they're going to start asking you, you questions Ms. and hold you responsible. Yeah, do you think? Do you think Ms. Rocky cares though? You know what I mean? He's just going to say, "Well, I was just wearing a, I was just wearing a patch." I mean, right now, for a guy like him, or you know, once again, I'm speculating. You know, it's either you be broke or borrow money, or you just get the check. So. I just think most people are going to do that, but yeah, they should have to deal with the consequences. And I hope that, you know, if, if poker is ever legalized in the U.S. and you know they start signing pros, they take a look at some of these people that, you know, just got free rides from some of these shady companies. And, yeah, you, you know, that's a good point. Them. I have a feeling they won't, though. I have a feeling like the major figures, like like I don't see Howard Litterer getting signed, but. Uh, Right. Unfortunately, I, I bet the types like like Michael Mizraki and Melanie Wisner. I mean, if, if you ask the average person, what do you think of Melanie Wisner and Michael Mizraki? They have good things to say. You know, they're not going to say, "Oh, that's that's a lock poker." Oh no, like they're they're not. No one's that angry at them right now. So I, I don't. I, I have a feeling that these people will still get sponsorships from the legalized U.S. poker rooms when this happens. I think the only ones they'll stay away from are the ones that are really associated with, with the uh, the past big scandals. Uh, now maybe if there is a uh, huge, huge scandal at Locke, maybe, but uh, e- even then, maybe not. So, I'll tell you, 
the one the one site that seems to steer clear, PokerStars does a good job of not associating themselves with anyone that's been involved with these sites, it seems to me. I mean, I don't know uh, 100%, but it, I just can't remember the last time they signed someone. It was just like, well, why the hell did they sign that guy, you know? like Yeah, they. I mean, PokerStars, like do. they do a lot of things right, and uh, they're very good at a lot of things they do, not at everything, and we'll talk about that later in the show, about a big screw-up PokerStars made at the... Uh, PCA that cost the players about 40k but uh, they are the best run company by far and and the most honest company from what I've seen of, uh, of all the poker sites so I'll give them credit for that but they're far from perfect they're just uh, um, but they're still far above all the other sites and, and they make a lot of really smart decisions they're very well run uh, especially in, in all the major ways but uh, anyway let's uh uh, th- th- I just wanted to bring up that point. I know it's been uh, the whole thing about the pros has been brought up recently, and I uh, just wanted to uh, touch on that. And I-, I think we're all of the same opinion. And uh, th- these pros probably will not call them out. They probably won't say anything. They they all want their paycheck for different reasons. And there's a lot of pros that are a lot more broke than you guys may think they are. A lot of these pros oh, sure. seem to be doing much better than they are. And some of the reason for this is that you see when people cash, but you don't see who didn't cash unless you really look closely. And it's sometimes hard to find that information. So in a tournament with 150 people with a huge buy-in, you know, 15K, 20K, 10K, whatever, uh, you see the top nine, top 18, whatever, and the big money they make, but you don't pay attention to the 90% that did not cash. And if the same or names, the last, or, or the, like the fifteen tournaments that that person didn't cash in before they did cash, yeah. In the tournament. So you forget about those names, and then when they cash again, you go, "Oh yeah, what happened to that guy?" And you kind of think to yourself at first that maybe the guy's just been gone for the last three years, but no, he's been playing every one of these tournaments, just wasn't cashing. In the meantime, just blowing money big time. I don't understand why these things aren't tracked. They always were for online at websites like Sharkscope. But for live results, websites like, um, I can't think of the name of them right now, but you know the ones that show live tournament results. You can go look up a player and you can see his lifetime earnings, but you can't see his lifetime ROI. And I know know that they have very good data, large, large amounts of data. They probably could compile it all together, but they they started doing it for the World Series because they made that easily available online recently. And that's, yeah. but uh, the other tournaments. Jax is actually doing that. Yeah, other tournaments it's not as easy, but uh, um, yeah, it's, it's what people have cash is very misleading because you have to compare it to what they've spent both on buy-ins and what's even harder to track how much they spent to get there to physically play. Like if they go to Europe or, or right. some other faraway location, that's not cheap to do, and that adds up. So uh, a lot of these people are, are struggling. And uh, even though it seems like they're hitting big paydays, a lot of times they're broke, and they need every dime that comes in. So uh, that's uh, that's the problem. Anyway, uh, I want to move on to the next topic. Uh, China, uh, thank you for calling in, and uh, okay. I appreciate your feedback on this uh, topic. Thank you. So a China Maniac, who did a good job hosting last, uh, last week, and uh, glad to have Seriously Serious here this week. And uh, let's, let me take a look at the new uh, the next topic on our agenda. China Maniac does a show called The Zone Blitz, 
at Vegas Poker Radio, by the way, which is a fantastic show that he hosts all by himself. It was a which, show that was today, in fact. Yes, it was. I listened to it. It's impressive to me that he hosts it by himself because I've tried to do that, and it's really hard. It is. And uh, that's why my show, uh, the last one that I did, sucked. And that's a little bit on hiatus now. That's actually why I may put this show not on hiatus, but may, may do it less frequently if Brandon doesn't return. Uh, and yeah, it's something to think about, right? Because without a co-host, our frequent Collins, it's just uh, it's just really tough to keep going without you know rambling and bullshitting too much. Yeah, it's hard, and uh, and it's also just it's harder to make an entertainment factor out of the show. Yeah. I, I, I can actually do. A show that's informative just by myself, but uh, it's the entertainment aspect of it isn't as good. So I'm much much happier with a a co-host. So I want to talk about Poker Stars and the PCA, and after that we will try to make our semi-prank call, which I I will admit to you is a good chance we're not going to reach him again, but uh, we will try. And I did actually see this person, by the way, Seriously Serious, who I know, he actually knows who it is. I, I told him. But mm-hmm. uh, he, this person I actually saw at the Bellagio. I actually saw them recently at the Bellagio, and I and I considered going up and saying something to them, but I'm like, no, 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 I'll just wait for the call. <laughs> so anyway, Poker Stars, who typically has done things well, they're definitely handling post-Black Friday much better than any other company. They're just going right on, not making as much money as they once were, but still doing quite well. And uh, they had their yearly Poker Stars Caribbean Adventure, a tournament that takes place in January every year. A lot of very young people over there. That's why I've never gone. I just kind of felt like I'd be at summer camp with all these 18-year-olds out there. I just, I just kind of, the PCA always struck me as something like it. It's mostly like a lot of really young kids who are probably away from home for the first time, a lot of them. And it's just a scene I, I didn't feel like I wanted to be part of as a guy who was already over 30 when Poker Stars started. So, uh, anyway, they do hold this every year. And uh, they had a new event, an innovative new event this year. That they must have put an idiot in charge of I don't know who actually invented it And made up the rules for it But it was someone who, who wasn't one of PokerStars Better people Or if it was, it was someone who wasn't having a very good week And uh, didn't figure out what they were doing um, This was brought to our attention by PLOL Who actually won a tournament there At the, PLO, at the, at the PCA Congratulations and Congratulations to that And has uh, done... A fine job uh, supporting himself as a young poker pro. Get to the fabulous hit. victory pose is on the forum somewhere. Yeah, you can actually see his victory pose on uh, his avatar, PLOL. In fact, you can he's the one who posted the message on the scam scandals and shadiness forum. And uh, by the way, PLOL, for those of you that don't know, is uh, he's mostly gay. He's He says he likes women a little bit, but he's mostly gay and openly talks about having a boyfriend or having a boyfriend in the past and... You, know, you mention this every time PLOL comes up. Well, I just wanted to... It's not, not totally relevant in this situation well, here. I, just, I, I think I'm trying to just make myself look tolerant. I'm like, oh, look, we have an active gay user out here. Yeah, but, I uh, know. <laughs> but, <laughs> anyway, it comes no, you know what? I, I really like PLOL, though. And uh, he brought up something that had I been there, I would have done the exact same thing he did. I, I probably would have been louder and more obnoxious about it at the time when it happened, but I would have come home and like I, I would have just... 
blown up the internet about it just like he did because that's what should be done in these cases. Uh, PokerStars screwed up big time. They had a thing called the Zoom Challenge. Now, Zoom Poker is just like Rush Poker on Full Tilt, except it's PokerStars' version of it. I don't even have to bother explaining what this is because it's not relevant to what happened. But they had a contest, or a tournament, uh, kind of, called the Zoom Challenge. It it was a $1,000 buy-in. The way it would work is that they would drop you at a play money table that was actually currently running on PokerStars with actual regular play money players there. And uh, they'd put you in a 100-200 play money game, and you would try to make as many play money chips as possible in a specified time frame. It was 12 minutes you had. And you could actually reload back to 20k if you kept falling down below 20k, which I think was kind of foolish. I think that uh, makes it... uh, It's like a rebuy turn. Yeah, it makes it too much where you can just keep gambling. This is all play money, so you're really not risking anything other than your original 1k buy-in. Right. Uh, You are allowed to re-enter, and here's where it starts getting bad. There is a leaderboard the, ob- the object of the game is to, when the whole thing's over, have been one of the top seven in chips in those 12 minutes. So let's say you finish with 75,000 chips. They put you up on the leaderboard, 75,000. And uh, you know, provided that you're the top seven in chips when it's all over, then you're one of the winners and you cash. If you're not, then you don't cash. And uh, you can keep entering as many times as you want. Of course, you start over with 20,000 every time. And if you beat your own score, then you go, you, you take yourself off the leaderboard and replace that amount. Well, so what's the best strategy there? Well, unless you're an idiot, the best strategy is to play at the end. When you know exactly what you have to beat. Because uh, if the leaderboard, if the number 7 on the leaderboard, for example, has uh, 80,000 chips then you will play in a way where finishing with anything less than 80,000 chips is worthless. So you will take all the risks necessary to get 80,000 chips whatever you have to do. You have a goal, where if you're the first one to play, you don't know what the goal is because people are going to play after you. So there's a huge, huge, huge positional advantage to going last. Now, if they selected people's entry times randomly then it would be fair. Because then, yes, last would still have a big advantage, but at least everybody would have a fair shot at going last. But that's not the way it worked. It's just, you choose when you want to play. <laughs> so, the people who played at the beginning were, just were stupid. But you could say, okay, this is actually, you could say it's part of the strategy. Maybe it's, uh, some people don't realize it, and by you realizing it, that gives you a skill edge, and maybe that should be allowed. I think it's dumb, but uh, at least that's not cheating anyone. But here's the problem. Um... A bigger issue occurred here. And that was... um, PLOL explained that at this play money game, even though it's play money, since you were playing against everyone else there that was not part of this contest and were just regularly playing play money on PokerStars, these players were actually very tight. These were like the creme de la creme of play money players. Yeah, it's important to note that 100, 200 play money on PokerStars is apparently like the nosebleeds. So (laughs) everyone, everyone there worked very hard. They grinded a long time to reach those stakes. 
So they take it quite seriously. Yeah, so, and apparently they play very, very nitty. Yeah, so they're not just like shoving all in, going, "Oh, let's play money. Who cares?" They're like, "No, yeah. no, no, no. I, you know, I, I earned these three million chips the hard way. I'm gonna, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna blow them." So yeah, it's like it's like the upper echelon of Zynga players. Yeah, exactly. So so these players, uh, they're very tight. So while the person with the twenty thousand play money chips that's trying to win the contest, they're they're happy to gamble it up. The problem with no limit hold'em, of course, is that. You will only get chips, uh, significant chips, if you get someone to call your huge bets. So uh, even if you say, I'm just going to go all in every hand, if you're with a bunch of nits, uh, they're going to just keep folding unless they get a premium hand. And if they do go a premium hand, there's a good chance they're going to beat you. And then you're going to start back over. So in 12 minutes, you're going to have a hard time making very much money. So if, you know, if that's the case for everybody, fine. But they allowed certain people to enter together near the end of the whole thing. Up till then, everybody had to enter separately so there would be no factor of chip dumping. Otherwise, let's say, you know, you and I, seriously serious, let's say we entered that together, we would realize together that with all the other players being nits, they would be to our advantage to constantly go all in against each other and one of us would probably get all pumped up and be one of the winners. We could even make right. it. Uh, well, that kind of sounds like collusion, but it's really not. It's just both players realizing that that's optimal strategy. Yeah, that's the only way you can win. It's not even, yeah, right. It's not yeah. even collusion. It's just realizing that uh, it, to finish in the leaderboard, you, you want action. You just want action. And so if both players want action and give each other action, then <laughs> that's the way it goes. Because there's no other action players at the table. Right. So, so what happened here was that um, th- there were five people that were in the 25K high roller event that, uh, th- th- that wanted to play and do it on break so they didn't miss any hands while they were still playing the high roller event. And uh, so they, they ran up and said, hey, you know, we're, we're on break here. We really, really want to play this thing, but uh, you know, we're not, we don't want to miss hands in the high roller event for this 1K tournament. So PokerStars said, well, okay, high, high limit players. All right, you know what? So you can all get it done on break. You can all play at once. So <laughs> all five of these people played at once at the same table where everybody else was forced to play with eight nitty players who, who, who call almost nothing. So um, shockingly enough, at the end of that match, someone ended up with 160K in chips, which was way ahead of the previous chip leader. I wouldn't be surprised if all five of those guys just finished top five. Yeah, because remember, you can keep reloading. So it's not even like you bust and, and, and uh, that's it. So yeah. so if they just keep going all in, all in, all in, all in, they could all finish above it. This is one of the few cases in poker where it's not a zero-sum game. So three of the five people actually beat the previous chip leader, even though there had been 50 entries or so by that point. Three out of five were ahead of the first place coming into it. <laughs> So, I mean, it's not even a contest at that point. They had an, a spectacular edge. It wasn't just a small edge. It was a spectacular edge that they had. I don't blame well, these players. They, how, did, how did the other two guys not do it? I, I mean... <laughs> they must have just had you know, bad luck. Horrible luck. You get to play for a whole hour. So, um, <coughs> anyway, um, I apologize for the cough there, by the way. I'm, I'm getting over a cold that I caught from Benjamin. But but this this was unbelievable. This wasn't just a small edge. This was a gigantic edge that uh, that, that made it where everybody else who entered prior to this pretty much had no chance. And and these people, these five who didn't do it intentionally, but these five were just given an edge. They were handed an edge on a silver platter, and they won. So 
this was brought up, and believe it or not, instead of you know, it's not like idiots just let this happen and and nobody acknowledged it. Uh, some some people complained and, and they didn't do anything about it. Uh, they they didn't try to modify anything. They didn't try to to rerun it and change the rule. They didn't make the you know they didn't say hey wait a minute you're right you know let's make these guys play over this was unfair. No, they made excuses. So the coordinator of this uh, told PLOL that uh, and by the way there's one guy who entered earlier that entered seven different times and didn't, didn't cash thanks to this. Uh, the, the coordinator said, you know, it's, I can see this being an advantage, but, uh, you know, um, the truth is if someone had asked us before, if all five can go at once, if, you know, if four, five people wanted to go together, we would have let them do it. Just nobody had this idea until now. Well, that's not a good Did excuse. Did PLOL actually play in this thing? Yes. So, so that's not a good excuse. So, um, in reality, that wasn't even true. This comes from, uh, Michael Wyrott. I think that's how you pronounce his name. A Canadian player. Actually played with him at the main event in 2010. We finished around the same place. Uh, but uh, he said, I feel like I lit my money on fire. 2K. I guess he entered twice. When I asked the floor if they would allow more than one person to play at once, they told me it was a max of one person for the Zoom challenge at a time. Hope I get some compensation back for this. So they, they told Michael Wyra, no, you can't play more, more than one. It's only one person at a time. So that's a lie, too. It wasn't even like no one thought of it. Someone did think of it, and they told them no. So uh, they, they let these five just so they could get back to the high roller tournament in time. And uh, and didn't. Now, someone who's really angry is a person on 2 plus 2 who was the bubble boy. <laughs> and uh, was, was, this person was angry, number one, about that five people playing at once. And number two, that uh, all the people at one, predictably, also played on the last day. Which was the second advantage I mean this whole thing was a disaster The funny thing is that an intelligent person Could have made this contest Totally fair Number one, don't let more than one person play at once Number two Hide the leaderboard Don't show anyone who's leading And what, what, what you're shooting for This way there's no advantage to, to playing last versus playing first but uh, hiding the leaderboard is a no-brainer. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why they would do that. Yeah, how can you put a leaderboard? Like, I, I can understand this when it's run by idiots. Like, a, you know, that cruise I went on in uh, 2011. They had a blackjack tournament that was just like this, where you sit and play a certain number of hands of blackjack, and there's a leaderboard you can keep re-entering at the end of the time period. Uh, whoever's top seven goes on to the final table. Well, guess what I did? I played the last and second to last rounds. So I knew exactly what to shoot for. And guess what? I made the final table every time. So, I mean, you're, you're not going to every time. Sometimes it'll run really bad. But I, I gave myself a huge edge by doing this. But I understood on a cruise ship, on a $40 entry, why that would make sense. Because you don't exactly have the top mind in gambling organizing it. But poker stars should be not be making mistakes like this. I, I kind of find it hard to get outraged over this because... The very concept of that tournament is just so silly. I mean, it, it's just kind of a joke. And I, I feel like maybe that's sort of what the point of it was. It was just just people gambling, just throwing, you know, a lot of high-stakes gamblers, just throwing $1,000 at a silly, silly tournament that, you know, is just for fun, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I don't agree. I, I think that the, they still have the responsibility to run it fairly, and especially, especially the last thing about how they let five people play at once. If you want to say... 
the pe- the last people have an advantage. At least everybody has the opportunity to realize that and play last. But but to m- allow five people to play at once to where it pretty much obliterates the chance of anyone else to win. That that's just uh, that that's not a contest anymore. That's it's almost like it's rigged, even though it's not intentionally rigged. It's totally yeah. rigged. Well, it should have been fair. It should have been made fair. And, and it was it just it was brought up. It was it was brought up to their attention, and they just did not do anything to fix it. So, Lee Jones, uh, he had a discussion with uh, two people. One named Timex. I'm not exactly sure who that is. Must be a Timex on. is. Uh, I think that's Mike McDonald. Okay, and Andrew Chen. He said they had a long ha- hallway talk about the situation at the PCA, and that it was a productive and intelligent conversation. We were discussing the situation internally, and I promised Mike and Andrew I would get back to them no matter what we decided. That was four days ago. Well, we have not heard anything in the last four days of what has been decided. What's so stupid about this is that there's no doubt PokerStar screwed up here. There's no doubt that everybody who entered prior to these five got a big dick in their ass as far as the $1,000 uh, <laughs> entry they put in. I mean, seriously, they, they, they really had no shot. It was a waste of $1,000 for every entry. Uh, it's estimated that about 40000 Dollars or so, maybe a little bit more, basically got stolen from these people who had no chance to win. Not maybe not intentionally stolen, or not even maybe it wasn't intentionally stolen, but it was stolen through incompetence. Now Poker Stars is a big, rich company. They they uh, they're buying a casino in Atlantic City. They just bought Full Tilt for seven hundred sixty million. This is a big, wealthy company. Forty thousand. It may sound like a lot to you. It may seem like a big deal for a, you know, if you think about a small poker room, even a, a medium-sized poker room, uh, you know, uh, brick and mortar to hand someone $40,000 from a mistake. You go, oh my God, that's, that's just too much for them to hand someone. They, that'll break them. But this isn't the Orleans poker room handing $40,000 out to someone. This, this is poker stars. Very rich. They constantly make money. They made a fortune from the PCA itself. When you make a mistake... And when you have as good of a customer service history as PokerStars does, make it right. Give people their money back. Say, okay, we blew it. We screwed up the contest. We're not going to try to take money away from the people who, who won thanks to this advantage. We'll let them keep it too. But everybody who entered and lost, we're giving you your money back because you got screwed so badly. That, that's what a ethical company would do here. And if PokerStars comes up with a conclusion of anything but that, then... I'm going to lose a lot of respect for them because uh, it's I'm one th- sure they will. It's it's not a big deal. It's one to thing. To, I'm surprised it's taking this long. I mean, why doesn't Lee Jones just like snap say, "Okay, we're giving you guys your money back"? Yeah, I would have thought that's what they would have done. I'm, yeah, yeah, like you, I'm, I'm surprised it is taking this long. I, I'm sure they will. It's probably what's just going to happen. It's not like people came to Lee and told it to him. And he's like, "Well, I go to investigate this, make sure it's really the way you say it is before I agree to this." I, it seems like Lee acknowledges that everything being said here is true. So if I was running PokerStars, I would just snap, give everyone their money back and say, sorry, we messed up. And the person who was in charge, I'm not putting them in charge again. But this actually brings up another point that, that I want your input on here. Do you think that at all tournaments, or at least all major tournaments, that there should always be someone on hand that could be called immediately in cases like this to make intelligent decisions on the spot. Someone that you could trust will generally make the right decision most of the time. Should all major poker tournaments have someone on hand to be called over 
who can make this sort of decision. So you don't have this where you have idiots saying, oh, it's a little bit of an advantage, but it seems like okay to me. Like you don't you don't have that happening, and then later Lee Jones sorting it out. Like, well, don't don't they have those already? Aren't I would they think they tournament should. Directors. That's what I'm not understanding. Like, where was the tournament director there, who is competent enough? Like, shouldn't there be some sort of chain of command when someone gets pissed? Shouldn't they say, okay, well, this person's still unhappy, this player. I'm going to call up my boss, my supervisor, who's going to come down and who's going to investigate this. Like, there should always be someone who can be reached immediately at all major tournaments to make a snap decision to fix major problems like this. I don't know why I, was I wasn't like, there, so I don't know how the whole thing was set up or what the atmosphere was like. But it doesn't sound to me like this was a very. Let me. I think we're back. I uh, apologize to the users. I think we did pretty well considering I'm at a hotel. I think we've gone about an hour and a half without it disconnecting. So uh, I, this is actually better than I expected, performance-wise. I was actually—it's funny. Just like five minutes ago, I was thinking, "Wow, it has not crashed once yet. This is way better than I expected." And of course, that's when it crashes. Should have knocked on wood. I should have. I, I once had even a worst case of this in uh, 91. I was driving on the 101 freeway, and I saw a car broken down on the side of the road at night. And I said, oh, man, sucks for that guy. I'd really hate to break down over here. <laughs> I always think that, too. When I see that. And then, and Especially five, when you're out in the middle of nowhere. You're yeah. like, oh, that sucks. And then five minutes later, I broke down with a, like a really, really bad engine problem where I was stuck there for the night. It was, it was a freaking disaster. And the worst really thing fun. was I, I had just woken up after a very long sleep. So I, I, I was stuck in a Motel 6 with absolutely nothing to do. Of course, this is 91. There's no Internet uh, to go on uh, um, I mean, there was an internet, but it was no, it wasn't like it is now. And obviously, they didn't have a smartphone or anything like that. I mean, I was so bored there, and I could not go to sleep. It was, it was like a horrible night. But you and, think anyway, to yourself, I was right. This does suck. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that's what happened again here. Was that uh, the radio crashed? I apologize, but we will be uh, combining these in the archives. Uh, I thank the chat room for telling me the radio was down. I hope I wasn't talking to myself for too long. Uh. Let me move on in the uh, agenda here. Uh, let's talk about... Uh, actually, let's try to make our call before we talk about uh, Yebsite and Anthony Scacosa, which is an interesting story by itself. But I'm going to call up uh, this poker pro who I think has... Uh, I think he's intentionally dodging the person whose work that he... I wouldn't say he stole it, but uh, what happened was uh, someone else stole the work and sold it to this poker pro, and the poker pro kind of just wants to wash his hands of it. And we'll see if we can get the poker pro's comment on this. We're going to be uh, Alvin Finkelstein. He's going to be calling up to talk about this uh, DMCA notice that he's going to file to demand that the design and content by this designer, who is a member of the site, who's welcome to come forward if he wants. Uh, actually, I guess once the call gets through, you'll know who it is. But uh, it's a good chance we won't get through. Huh? Let's, uh, let me get the number here. We will make our call. And hopefully the whole thing doesn't crash in the meantime. 
Again, if we do not reach the person, I will not say who it is, because I want to try again next week. And if we don't get through to him next week, maybe I'll just give up and tell everybody the whole story. Or this Verizon ringback tone while your party is reached. Da da da! The scamming people from the website, getting a design that you really didn't pay for from uh, someone who stole it and sold it to you without authorization. That's the wrong thing to do. And so is not getting back to the person who brings it to your attention. Hello. Um, yes, uh, hello. Th- this is Alvin Finkelstein. I'm, uh, uh, am I speaking to uh, Mr. Sorrell Mizzy, please? Yes, who is this? Uh, my name is Alvin Finkelstein. Um, I-, I actually represent my client. His name Excuse, is- me. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Can I interrupt you for a second? Yes, go ahead. Can you just tell me exactly who this is? My name is Alvin Finkelstein. I, I represent a-, a gentleman named Thomas Keeling re- regarding a... Uh, I'm, a- I'm an attorney. I represent Thomas Keeling okay. regarding... Uh, a matter with a website. Uh, can I speak to you a bit about that? What website? Uh, it's, it's actually about uh, your website. So this, this is what I've been. Uh, this is what I've been told by Mr. Keeling. Uh, I've been told. What's, what's my website? Sorry. Uh, I've been. To- I've been told here that I can. I, let me pull Hold this on. Up before here. before I even um, continue this, can you please? You said it's regarding my website. Yes. What your is your website's website? uh, SorrellMizzy.ca and SorrellMizzy.info. Okay. Okay. Sorry, continue. Okay, no problem. Um, the, so the um, what I was told is that uh, a certain individual named uh, named Zach Hart sold you a website design, uh, and that um, you that actually Zach Hart did not have the real rights to that design, and that it was actually Thomas Keeling's design, and that while you did not know that at the time you bought it, most likely. Uh, that uh-huh. uh, indeed it was not Zach's to sell. So, um, so Mr. Keeling contacted you about this matter and said, you know, while I'm not holding this against you, obviously if somebody else sold my work to you, uh, I need to get the money from it. You need to recover the money that uh, you paid Mr. Zach Hart. Uh, the question is, um, you told him that you were going to get back to him, Mr. Keeling, and uh, he says he has not heard from you. Uh, he wants me to file a, a DMCA takedown notice, but uh, uh, rather than, than go that route, I would like to know from you first uh, if you have looked into the matter. I, I talked to Zach, and Zach said that um, it's bullshit and, you know, this kid is crazy. As far as I'm concerned, this has nothing to do with me. Well, you know, like I, I purchased something. I, I had no idea going into this that, you know, I was buying a design, even if it was completely stolen. I am, I'm completely, uh, I'm completely in the dark with this, and I feel like it would be immoral to proceed, like well, to proceed with like legal, uh, like I have no. I'm not paying this this guy anything. I mean, well, okay. What what I, mean, I this is what I can yeah. t- tell you here. If let's say you were to purchase a stolen car, uh, even if you were to have not known it was a stolen car when you purchased it, uh, you don't have the right to keep the stolen car and tell the yeah. owner, "Tough luck, I- I'm keeping your car." Uh, they will then. Well, that's conf- that's that, that's a that's a huge. That's it's a, very, a little bit different, I, but I it's, think that's it's a bad same. comparison because a stolen car. There's things you can do to find out for sure if if that person was the it was the owner or not. Okay, so so I mean, what I, what I was told, Mr. Keeling, since uh, uh, I think there's a little bit of some confusion here, he's not necessarily looking for money from you. If you don't wish to pay him anything, okay. that's fine. Uh, he he's looking then at least if you if this is not uh, if this was not Zach's property to sell you, could you at least take the the website down 
and then you know put up your own design or hire a different designer or whatever, and then get a refund from Zach. At least that particular design would no longer be on your website. That's that's all he's looking for is for his work not to be up there with him not getting any money from it. If the if the whole work comes down, he's okay. Fine but with that's it. between that's between him and Zach. That has nothing to do with me. I mean, I I purchased something. You know, I don't even know if what he's saying is true. You know, he could just be completely lying about it. I I don't know anything. I mean, why would I? Like, why would I do that? Like, there's no. I mean, let's talk. Forget about talking on, in the legal terms. Like, I don't know the law behind it. Obviously, you probably have a better idea with that. But it just doesn't make any sense. Like, if you're me and somebody that like you barely knew told told me that like he designed my site and that uh, you know. Um, he wants me to take it down because I bought it. Like, as far as I'm concerned, I purchased something like without any sort of. Uh, okay, I, I can un- I can understand your point here, where you're saying that there there does need to be a burden of proof on the person who is uh, who's coming forward to you and claiming that uh, that it's actually their work, and you know you're saying. I don't have any proof of this, and it's an unrelated legal matter. Uh, now, what if? First of all, even if I did have proof of it, I, I just don't feel I paid the amount. You know, like if anything, you should be going after Zach and suing him. Like I could tell you how much I bought the site for, um, and you should be suing him for the amount or a, a partial amount. I mean, why? Why is like why are we even having this discussion about it? Like, well, okay, uh, can you tell me? Well, how much did you purchase the site for? I can give you that information. I have no problem. I, I purchased it for three thousand dollars. That's a that's a that's a tidy sum of money for a website. And uh, I'm just saying that uh, perhaps what you should do then is uh, you know, have you con like have you at least contacted Zach and said uh, can you show me proof you had the right to to sell this to me or, or what if what if Mr. No, Keeling- because it's not an issue to me. It's not an issue. Like I, I shouldn't have to put any time on this. I mean, I did it. Um, I did it for, uh, uh, sorry, what's his name? I only know his screen name, but I, I did it for him uh, out of a favor. You know, like I, I talked to Zach about it, and I said, hey, you know, why, like, why is uh, Thomas, why is Thomas telling me that, you know, this site was his and this is his design? And I, I talked to him about it, and um, <clears throat> and he told me that, like, he's crazy, and I don't believe what Zach is saying is true. I mean, obviously he would say that either way, but... You know, I just don't think that this is my responsibility. You know, like I paid, I, I paid money for the site, and and I got the site. Like that, that was the transaction. What well, what happens between him and Zach is none of my business. Well, are, are you? Are the thing is, are if you actually have a relationship with Zach, if it was just some some some. Uh, uh, vendor who sold you something and and then uh you said well i don't have a personal relationship if you have a personal relationship with him uh and actually did this as a favor um if 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 proof was presented to you that he didn't actually have the rights to this then then wouldn't you be able to just recover the money and say hey zach you sold me something that wasn't yours can you please give me the money back or well no i'm saying i did this as a favor to thomas by by talking to zach I mean, I don't know why he wanted me to get involved with this, but, you know, it's... I, I don't feel like I've done anything wrong in this situation. Well, you, you, and, can, see, um, you can see how Thomas doesn't feel good about the matter, though, that he, he did the work and he it was his, uh, it was his rights right. to the I, work. I, by the way, then, uh, I totally understand Thomas's stance on this, but yes. I, what I don't understand is why why is it that he, like... Why isn't he talking to Zach? Well, this he, is not well my I, I don't. I, I have a feeling he and Zach ended up on on poor terms when when they uh, separated uh, their from from their 
previous business okay, venture, and they, they have nothing to say to each other. You know, so so I, I don't think Zach is going to be cooperative with him. In fact, I'm sure he will not be, uh, and, and that probably would have to go through a whole legal channels. I think Thomas was hoping that uh, um, somehow you, who was not involved and doesn't have a problem with either party, would, would be kind enough to... Uh, to say, hey, you know, I, I, I didn't realize this when I bought it, that this all baggage came with what I bought, but uh, can you give me a refund and I'll take it down and uh, and start over? That's that's what he's hoping you would do. Okay, what percent of the time do you think that that would happen? I, I don't know like, what percentage. What, I'm just, what I'm, percent of the time, like, in your, in your professional opinion, what percent of the time if I ask for a refund for a website um, from, from Zach and like that he would just give me a full refund and I would take down the site. Well, it, it depends what you could prove regarding uh, if, if you had sufficient proof that it actually wasn't his to sell, I think there's a decent chance he but would give it. If why, he, would I, why would I seek out that proof? That's not my... What, what, what if, know, proof, what if the proof was... What if it was given to you? Then they wouldn't be seeking it out. I don't I don't expect you to make it your job to, to seek this out, but uh, um, if the proof was given to you, it's a different story. Have you made, have you made any contact with Zach? Uh, I actually have not made contact with Zach yet, and to be honest, I don't expect him to be cooperative since he is hostile to anyone, you know, who has to do with Thomas. And right, so- and I, I don't think bringing that up to Zach. I mean, I already brought it up, and you know, he didn't. He it, it elicited like certain emotions that you know I don't really want to experience. I I just don't think that you know this is my issue. I I did everything right in this spot, and you know what Zach does with that money is up to him. Like if 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 in, in fact. Thomas did. Um, Thomas did design the site, and you know there was some sort of implicit, uh, you know, understanding that you know it was Thomas that did the work, and and that that the site wasn't back to sell. Then Thomas should be going after Zach for the amount well, of see, for the amount that I gave. Here's, here's, here's the only problem here. There is there is a legal precedent of of if. Uh, Work is stolen in some way, even if the you didn't realize it was stolen when you purchased it, and and it's presented on okay. your website. And it's presented on your website in any way, so, such as like let's say I gave you an MP3 of a uh, of what I said was a garage. Okay, well, well, and, well, sorry, and, I, I understand where you're going with this, and let me just say like from a legal legal standpoint, you may be correct. You probably are. Um, I I don't know the law in this situation, and um, you know I'm I'm not even gonna like bother finding out from a from a moral standpoint um i didn't do anything wrong okay but you're saying he wants me to file he wants me to file a a dmca takedown notice and and before i was going to file that notice i was i was calling to see if you could uh somehow reason with zach to get this done without uh without these legal procedures and and without notices being filed and and all that and uh, and going that direction it's just you you have to understand that that from thomas's point of view he did some work he got Paid nothing for it, and then someone he he does not like at all uh, has. I'll talk to Zach about it. it. I will talk to Zach about it. I'll call him and I'll say, "Listen, like, what's going on here? I'll find out the information." I mean, but that's as far as I'm willing to go with this. Like, if you want to take legal proceedings and and you know go in my what in my opinion would be like an unethical route to to make me lose from the situation. Um, then you know you can go ahead and do that. Like, well, no, no one's looking know, to make you lose. I, I was just saying that um, you have to look at the. If you have to also look at the, the from the designer's point of view that that he did work. He should be that, suing Zach directly. Why is this like he should be suing Zach? Well, he might, for the he might, he might do he might he, do that as well. But uh, but he's also okay. uh, but he's also looking perhaps to uh, 
uh, the problem is to, to file these lawsuits. How does that affect them, the site being up? How does that affect them negatively? Well, it, it's not. You, know, the, you, you could say the same thing about uh, how does it affect uh, a, a performance artist if you download their MP3s or their movies for free. And, you know, that doesn't affect them. But on the other hand, it's their work, and they shouldn't be uh, – uh, that work shouldn't be disseminated for free when it's commercial work. But uh, but yeah, but I'm an innocent party in all this. I'm a completely innocent party. There was nothing like how can I? I'm I'm trying to think of a way that I can possibly take responsibility for it. It's not taking. Like, resp- I'm really trying. Well, what can't. you could do is you could have the you could if you took the material down and 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 told Zach, you know, can you just refund me and just let's let's just I didn't realize this when I bought it. Can you refund it to me and just be done here and I start over and then start over with your website design uh, with someone else? That's that's really what we're looking for. Not not to have okay. uh, Thomas. Okay, I'll tell you Bay. what I'm going to do. I'll I'll have that conversation with them. And if he's willing to give me a full refund, then I have no issue with it. But I'm just telling you right now, um, the chances of that happening are like less than one percent. Well, that's that's not a very good chance. But uh, you know, I, I I do aware. You know, you, you I know you're a, a poker player. You have seen one uh, percent uh, chances come through in the past. Yeah. And you've uh, been successful in Nothing. tournaments. So I, I I hope that does come through, and and that we can. Managed to okay. uh, to can... put this behind us. I, I do realize you did not do this uh, maliciously. I know this is not. Uh, I know you're not uh, looking to actually steal anything here, and, and that uh, you didn't know this when you purchased it. I I, I believe this myself, and I, I believe Thomas uh, yeah. knows that as well. Uh, we we're just okay. hoping some for some cooperation uh, um, uh, uh, to basically return the content to the rightful owner. Uh, no one's looking for money right. from you. Okay, I'll I'll talk to Zach. And um, and I'll, I'll see what's going on with it. And, you know, you can call me back in a few days and, and uh, I'll let you know. But, I mean, I, I, I don't see any positive outcome coming from this. Well, like, uh... the most, most case scenarios, what I see happening is him saying, no, that's fucking bullshit. Like, you know, and I'm not going to give you a refund like you've already had. Like, and I'm not going to press the issue too much. And I'm, I'm sure you can understand that because, you know, Thomas is saying one thing and Zach is saying another. And... I don't know what's true. You know, yeah. I'm well. We'd be happy to present you that proof, and uh, you know, I I do in in my in my years of working as an attorney, I have uh, encountered a lot of uh, reactions of quote uh, this is fucking bullshit. So I understand. However, uh, right. it, it is important to I I think it's important to understand who the correct party is in this whole okay. matter. Well, you can tell you can tell Thomas that I'm I'm, I'm being cooperative and I'm. You know, I'm going to talk to Zach. I, I honestly, uh, I'm doing this as a favor to him for no one else. Like yeah, I like Thomas. Me, you know, I think I, I think I actually have something here that's. Um, let me see here. I, I think I actually have a a recording of when Thomas and Zach were together discussing not this matter, but discussing the design that we're talking. Let me see if I can play this to you here. Oh, I'm sorry. There seems to be some technical difficulty. I'm trying to play the recording to you. Hang on here. Uh, I guess it's not working. Okay. So, so yeah. Go ahead and talk with Zach about it, and uh, we will okay. uh, we'll, we'll talk about this in the future if we need to. All right. Thank you, sir. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, so you guys know what this is about now. <laughs> so, seriously, serious. What comments do you have about this matter? He's gone off the I... phone. I man, I I almost don't even really care anymore. I I know this is uh probably never gonna get resolved. I'll probably never get uh, compensated for my work. But uh, I actually did file a DMCA already. Oh, okay, so I guess um, I guess Alvin's work is done. Yeah, no, it it should be taken down at the very least. And um, 
you know, I understand, you know, you buy something and you don't realize that it's stolen, but when it's hosted on your website, you are you're responsible for it. You can't you can't just be hosting stolen content and and say, well, I'm not going to take it down unless I get my refund, and you know, you should take it up with the other guy. It's it's not uh, it's really not how it works. That's funny though that uh, apparently he paid three thousand for it. My understanding <laughs> before I, would... I it was supposed to, I was told that it was going to be sold for one thousand. So yeah, uh, I I I, uh, I wonder uh, when he hears about this that it was a public radio call how he's going to react. Like uh, yeah. I'd imagine he's not going to be very happy about this, but. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I did this because I don't usually like to prank call poker pros, but I, I did this for a few reasons. First of all, Sorrel Mizzy doesn't have the best history in poker with a lot of things, and I won't go into all of them, but uh, you guys can look this up if you want. But, but second, uh, you know, this is another thing that the snake in the grass did. And of course, I'm talking about Zach here, not, not Sorrel. Uh, but this is another thing the snake in the grass did, and Seriously Serious told me the story. You know, I, I just felt it was wrong. And, um, you know, this... While it was a prank call, it was a prank call about a serious matter. And uh, what Seriously Serious really wanted was not money. It really was just to have it taken down. And uh, I don't believe, as I said on the call, as Alvin, I don't believe that Sorrell was actually looking to buy a stolen website design. I believe he bought it thinking that Zach designed it or, or had hired a designer to do it and uh, and that he was buying something legitimate. So I, I don't fault Sorrell there. And I can even see where Sorrell feels that uh, this is between the two of them and and uh, and not something he has to get involved in. And, and of course, he'd be really screwed if he paid it, took it down, and, and then it turned out that uh, Zach was right the whole way, which I don't believe he is. But uh, Well, if that uh, happens, then you can just restore it. Yeah, he could, but I but I could see where where he'd be worried about that. There's two people arguing about this. He doesn't even know who's right. And he, well, I'll tell you, know. you, I'll I'll give you a uh, a very good example of how this normally gets handled on YouTube. For example, when DMCA's get filed, YouTube doesn't ask questions; they just take the thing down, and then counterclaims can be made and things like that. And after that, YouTube will wash their hands of it and say, "Okay, YouTube just sorted out in courts or whatever." But if there's any chance that you're committing copyright infringement then it is prudent to just not take chances and just take the stuff down until everything gets sorted out yeah so i mean i i he does have to now that he's this has been brought to his attention i i do think he at least owes it to seriously serious to to say to zach okay what's this about and actually you know i don't expect sorel mizzy to take time out of his day to do research on this i, I do expect if the proof is presented to him and it's convincing that at that point he should go to Zach and really pressure him for a refund. He probably won't, but at least I give him credit for, for saying that he'll, or if he actually does what he says, I'll, I'll give him some credit for going back to Zach, which he probably, he probably will say something to Zach. I don't think he's going to just blow this off, but, uh, um, I give him credit for at least going to Zach and, uh, trying to get this resolved. That he'll probably be pissed once he sees this as a radio bit, but, uh, yeah. whatever. No, this is not, I know this isn't getting resolved. No, the, re- the reason I well, let this call happen is just because I thought it would be funny. Yeah, he said, he said there's a one percent chance, so uh, no, it's, it's it's not going to get fixed. But maybe it'll get taken down. If that happens, at least I can I'll feel a little bit better. Man, three thousand dollars. I think I'm in the wrong business. I got to start designing websites. Sure. Actually, my cut was to be five hundred. So it's fuck also, it. I I didn't know this. I'm, <laughs> I'm real. I was really surprised when he said that. So I guess Zach's cut was going to be twenty five hundred. Wow. 
That's funny. You know, it reminds me of uh, when I was 17 years old and I, I worked at a uh, computer store. And this computer store, it, it sold computers and repaired computers. And I was paid the tidy sum of $6 an hour to work there. And even back in 1989, that wasn't very much money. And uh, I remember when I was sent on some repair job and one of the people that was at the place that I was repairing a computer off-site told me what they were receiving or what they were paying the company. And the company was not some big company. It was like just some dude who had like three employees and I was one of them. So the dude was getting 60 bucks an hour for my time that he was paying me $6 for. And that kind of pissed me off. Like I, I didn't expect that he'd make no money off of me, but it kind of pissed me off that he was making 90% of what this company was paying for my repairs and I was making 10%. Yeah. I mean, that just, uh, I just didn't like that. Didn't like hearing that. I was hoping it was going to be something like, you know, I'm, I'm making six an hour and these people are paying 18 an hour or something, but no, they're paying 16 an hour. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's a company's prerogative to make their margins that high if they so choose and, and pay their employees what they wish. It's a little bit different when it's a partnership and, you know, you're making verbal promises and breaking them. Yeah. So I, I wonder if I'm going to hear from, <laughs> from Sorrell now once he gets this. He, he, he got pissed at me once a long time ago at something that happened on Poker Stars and, uh, um, where, where I was, uh, I, I didn't want to. Basically, what happened with me a long time ago with him on Poker Stars. And this isn't the big deal, you know, years later, but uh, um, we, he was, at the time, uh, he's improved a lot, but at the time he wasn't a good limit player. And um, he was playing 200-400, and of course playing super wild, and I I wanted to be in his game. So I was in his game, and um, I was getting my ass beat in that game. I was down like 20k in that game. Very frustrated. So there were some dudes that... uh, we're sitting heads up with, uh, yeah, j- just at, uh, waiting for opponents. So Sorrell got up in the middle of a game and just went and sat at one of those other tables. And, uh, then I moved over there to, to go sit down also. And he, he says, heads up, please. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is the same game as before. You just jump tables. Like it's not like uh, I interfered with your existing heads up match. It's not like you and the other guy said, "Hey, let's let's go to heads up." He just jumped tables to just some random dude who's sitting there, and then said he wanted heads up. And I was like, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, this Poker Stars <laughs> does not have a heads up only rule. You you can do it out of courtesy, but I didn't I, I didn't think this was a heads up match. I thought that it was just, uh, um, you know, he jumped to a random table where some dude happened to be sitting. And then uh, decided he wanted to play heads up, so I said, you know, I'm not going to force you to play, but I'm not, I'm not going, but I'm not leaving. And he got really pissed at me, and uh, started demanding I left. But uh, the way I always felt about those heads up, please requests on Poker Stars is that uh, they shouldn't be abused by people who just want to keep the live one to themselves. That if there's an existing heads up match already going on, fine, I totally respect that, and I'll sit out no matter how bad the player is. Um, if two people say, hey, let's go play heads up, and then they go to a different table, and then I follow them there, and they say, heads up, please, totally, I'll leave. But I didn't want to leave just because uh, the guy who was in a game with me jumps to another table, sits with a random dude, and then just decides he doesn't want me there. So we got in a huge argument about that. And uh, ever since then, he hasn't liked me. So I'm sure he won't like me any better after this uh, prank. Oh, call. you you guys never made up? You said you uh, thought about talking to him at the Bellagio. 
we never made up, but it's not like we were like bitter enemies. We just had a, a, okay. a lot of words with each other on Poker Stars like five years ago. But I, I'm okay. sure I'm sure he got over it. I'm sure he. Well, I, I don't think he loves me at this point. I, I'm sure he doesn't sit around thinking about how much how much he hates me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have to imagine before this call, most of his feelings about me were probably like somewhere between like bad and neutral. But uh, anyway, yeah. I, I don't care. I, I usually don't like pranking poker pros because I have to see them, and and because I I don't want to do things to make uh, people look bad who who are in the same industry and profession I have, unless they really deserve it. Sure. And, and while I, I don't think I don't think Sorrell did anything bad here, uh, and I understand his position, what he's in. You know, he's just. I thought that uh, since he was uncooperative and since uh, since he has been involved in things in the past that have uh, not exactly been uh, on the level, that uh, I didn't feel that bad making this uh, innocent little phone call. Anyway, uh, let's move on here. I was actually surprised we reached him. I thought we weren't going to. I thought I was going to have to like, try three weeks and then just give up. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Yebsite. Yebsite is a... Uh, Longtime user of this and previous sites I was part of. And uh, Yebsite is uh, someone who was named in a way in a lawsuit by Mason Malmuth in 2010 regarding a site called 2plus2.me. Now, let's, uh, we're back to talking about content theft, except this time... Yeah, the content... Mason Malmuth takes the website's Far more seriously. Yeah. So, so Mason Malmuth was in a way a victim of content theft, where not only was two plus two a trademark that uh, Mason had registered, and two plus two me was violating that trademark, but uh, also Yebsite was providing links to two plus two books for free, like e copies of books. Now, apparently, he wasn't hosting these books, but he was linking places where you could get them. Well. I, I don't blame Mason for being angry about this and for making efforts to stop it, but um, Mason wanted to make an example out of the person who did it. Now, he didn't know anything about Yebsite. All he knew was that it was registered to a guy named Anthony Skakosa. I, I think it was a misspelled version of, of an actual real person named Anthony Skakozo. So he saw Anthony Skakosa. I think he uh, then realized from the address the misspelling, and then sued the right person with the correct spelling. And in 2010, or 2010, 2011, somewhere around there, I think it was late 2010, uh, Anthony Skakozo, who is not Yebsite, but is just someone Yebsite casually knew, uh, got served with a federal lawsuit for copyright infringement. This was not what Seriously Serious was doing here with Sorrel Mizzy, just trying to get him to take it down. This was, a, this was I'm suing you, you've already damaged me, sort of thing. So, uh, Yebsite had come on a previous radio show that I was part of, on another site, and admitted that he had done this. He admitted that he was the one behind 2plus2.me. He admitted that he did use Anthony Skakosa's name, he said it was some, quote, weird kid he knew in Scranton, where he lives, and that uh, basically uh, this poor kid is getting sued now, but there's nothing he could do. He, d- he didn't intend for that to happen, but, you know, he's like, what can I do now? Now this other guy's getting sued, and uh, 
you know, I figure it'll just fall apart because uh, Mason's got the wrong guy. Well, that's not what happened. Uh, for whatever reason, Anthony, the real Anthony Scacoso didn't do anything about it. He, he got the lawsuit and kind of just sat there. Now, it might be because he has Asperger's. He claims he has Asperger's, which uh, is a disorder. It's a psychological disorder, but it it's not like it's not like being retarded. It's not like uh, you can't function. And if isn't you, it isn't it just more about social interactions? No, it's it's kind of like a lighter version of autism. And okay. uh, there, there's more severe cases than less severe cases. But it, this guy wrote a post on Reddit. This Anthony Scacosa. This is why it's coming up now, even though the judgment Mason won. Mason won a judgment in 2011 for I'm not sure if the exact figure I think Mason wrote it was 150,000 This guy's claiming 250,000 But something very large, something in the six figures Was won against Anthony Scacoso Because he didn't show up to court So they sued him for some gigantic sum of money And they won by default Because Anthony did not show up to defend himself So um, Mason at the time was trumpeting the victory Everybody kind of snickered Because that wasn't even the person, that wasn't even the right guy so they knew not only would Mason never collect, but that Mason stupidly sued the wrong person, who just, for whatever reason, didn't show up to defend himself. Well, unfortunately, the, the story has taken more of a human element uh, version to it here, because, uh, you know, while it's easy to laugh that uh, some poor sap got uh, sued by Mason, who didn't even do anything, and then got this judgment against him, while it's easy to kind of laugh at that, uh, there is a real human being behind that, and this human being came out on the site Reddit... And posted about uh, what happened, and uh, was asking for advice. The real Anthony Scacosa showed up, so l- let me tell you what he said, and then we'll talk about uh, what's going on here. He said, "Back in 2008, I met Nick Albano while playing poker at a local bo- local bar. This is in Pennsylvania." That year or a year later, he opened up a website in my name. The website was 2plus2.me, which hosted free downloads to 2plus2 copyrighted books. I knew nothing of this until 2010 when a detective came to my home and served me with a subpoena to appear in court for cyber-squatting, illegal distribution of copyrighted material, etc. I knew Nick was doing some fishy things with using bad checks on poker websites and some other questionable things, so I asked him about it. Nick then showed up the website and told me that he used a, quote, name and address similar to mine to open the website, 2plus2.me. He also told me that he used my name and social security number to apply for e-checks on PokerStars by using prepaid cell phones. Nick has also sent me his email correspondence between him and the attorney suing me, Tyler Andrews of Greenberg Traurig Law Firm. Nick was pretending to be me in those emails. In 2011, Nick and I called Tyler Andrews, that's a lawyer, uh, of Masons to explain everything that Nick did. Tyler basically told me that it was in my best interest to let the case go to default judgment since I could not afford an attorney and a settlement wouldn't affect me since I'm disabled with Asperger's syndrome. Anyway, I'm, I'm not going to read the rest, but uh, he is claiming that Yebsite and him, you know, Anthony, he said he and Yebsite called Mason's lawyer at Greenberg Traurig, named uh, Tyler Andrews, and, and told Tyler the truth, that the real guy who was guilty was Nick, a.k.a. Yebsite. <laughs> and instead of saying, oh, okay, we'll sue him instead, supposedly, Tyler Andrews said to him, you know what, just let the case go to default judgment, it's not going to affect you. You're disabled, You're never gonna, we won't collect from you, it'll never, you know, just, just let it go. 
Now, I don't know if that conversation really occurred. This is the claim on the part of uh, Anthony Scacoso. Now, one of the users on Reddit pointed out that this is where he made a big mistake, uh, taking the advice of his opponent's attorney. Yes, yes. But I will say that if his opponent's attorney owns up to this, which he probably won't, and again, I'm not I'm not saying that this is what happened. I'm this is a uh, Anthony Scacoso's version of events on posted on Reddit. But if this really did happen, and if this attorney owned up to that happening, then the attorney would be liable because they the attorneys all have basically a code that they have to uh, abide by. They're considered officers of the court, and they they're not supposed to. Uh, Engage in, in such behavior like that Of, t- of telling someone to uh, Take a default judgment against them For something they didn't do uh, A lawyer is not supposed to do that They can get disbarred But uh, for that reason I'm sure he'll never own up to doing that uh, Whether he did it or not So, uh, But but anyway uh, Another thing is While Nick Albano or, no, Sorry that's that's the website While, while Anthony Scacoso can claim that uh, you know He's disabled with Asperger's syndrome And that's why he didn't do anything about this uh, That's not the greatest defense because you can see from this Reddit post that the guy it's not like this is a retarded person. He he, he wrote this very detailed report about what happened. He's he's he obviously understood what was going on and and chose to do nothing and chose not to show up for the court case. This is what might hurt him. But he he does have some outs here, I think. Anyway, uh so he's basically asking for some advice as to what to do. In addition he claims he recorded a conversation that he had with the website, and uh, um, he posted a link to it. But that does not—that uh, link that either doesn't exist anymore or was the wrong link in the first place. I've never been able to listen to it, but I, I would love to hear the, the five-minute clip of the recorded conversation. If anybody, <coughs> sorry, but if anybody has it, uh, posted it in the chat room. Uh, now, a lot of people are up in arms about this. There's a 10-page thread already about this in the Flying Stupidity Forum on Poker Fraud Alert. Even though this is a, an old story in a way, in that Yebsite admitted to doing this, basically, on, on a previous radio program. Uh, it's come back to life because this Anthony Scocosa showed up on Reddit and is asking for advice. Uh, first of all, obviously, website should have never done this. This is a bad thing, you know, to take advantage of someone to steal their identity to make a website that is illegal, or really allegedly make... steal security card. Yeah, I I don't know where the social security card comes into it. You don't need social security cards to make websites or register. Yeah, I was kind of wondering that too. I, I think the kid may be confused a little bit. I think I yeah. think he believes that more was done than, than now. He also claims that website was communicating with the attorney for a while, pretending to be him. So, but I, 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 mean, I guess it's possible Yepside, if he had the social security card, could have sent that card to the attorney to pretend he was, you know, like, hey, this is proof you're really who you're talking to. But I would think the attorney would just believe that's the person he's talking to. I don't think he would have demanded proof. Wait, wait, wait. Why, why would web, website, why would Yepside do that? Why would he pretend to be Anthony and I, talk to the attorney? I, I think he was trying to talk him out of it. Or I, I don't know. You'd have to ask okay. Yepside. But, uh, Wasn't being ultra malicious and just trying to make things even worse. No, just... I, I don't think so. I don't think I don't think Yebsite was ever looking to hurt this Anthony. I think he just didn't give a crap when he did it. I think he was just insensitive. He wasn't being malicious, which uh, it's not a defense for him. I'm just saying that he he thought, hey, I want to register a, a website to screw with Mason. I don't want to do it under my own name because I'll get in trouble. Let me pick some other poor sap's name. 
But on the other hand, he's not looking to hurt the other guy. He just doesn't give a crap if the other guy gets hurt. That, that's kind of what it looked like to me. And gotcha. uh, so, so <clears throat> the thing is, uh, it's been 18 months now, I believe, since the judgment was rendered, which is in October of 2011. Not 18 months. Uh, it's been uh, 15 months. Uh, I believe that Anthony Scacoso could actually get this judgment vacated, or, or as they say in federal court, set aside, which means basically just throwing the whole thing away. Uh, I think he could do this uh, based upon a few factors. Now, you can only get these judgments set aside for certain reasons. And uh, one of those reasons, or let, me, let me give you the three possible reasons you could get a federal judgment against you set aside. Uh, one of them is that uh, the defendant wasn't served correctly. So if uh, someone doesn't show up to court, but it turned out they were never served, were never served legally, then uh, they can get the judgment uh, set aside. But that didn't happen here. I'm sure that Greenberg Traurig uh, served him properly. Another way you can get it set aside is if uh, the default judgment isn't really valid. Uh, for example, uh, let's say he responded to the lawsuit in some way, and then uh, the plaintiff claimed he never responded and somehow got a default judgment erroneously placed, then you can also get that uh, set aside. But that's not what happened here, so that's also not applicable to this case. But the third thing is applicable to this case. If there is a, quote, good reason why the judgment should be set aside, then they will do it sometimes. Uh, This includes the defendant providing a reasonable defense to the claim against him, such as giving a reasonable explanation as to why he wasn't able to make the court case. And that's what Anthony would use. Now, the problem is Anthony did get served properly, and he got served in 2010, and is only now attacking the situation in 2013, which will look bad for him. Uh, he can claim he has Asperger's and is disabled, but at the same time, uh, he had enough wherewithal to record Nick secretly, as well as uh, make that Reddit post with a lot of details. So I, if, I, if I were the judge, I would not believe he's all that disabled. I would think that you know, he probably maybe he can prove he has Asperger's, but is that really an excuse to not have responded to a lawsuit? Well, Anthony also mentioned that a lawyer, and I don't recall if it was Mason's lawyer or his own, told him that that recording wouldn't be admissible uh, to mount any sort of a defense because apparently it was recorded illegally without the other party's consent. I don't know what the Pennsylvania laws are, but as long as you record a conversation in person, I believe it's always legal. Uh, There's different laws as far as recording telephone conversations. In some states it's legal, in some states it's illegal. Uh, but uh, I believe in person you can record anyone secretly without their knowledge, uh, for, at least for audio recordings, uh, for, oh. use, for use in court. Uh, you can't commercially profit from it, but you can... Uh, but anyway, um, the, the problem here is uh, is the fact that he got this lawsuit and did nothing and let this default judgment go against him. But he can claim, whether it's true or not and whether the attorney admits it or not, that uh, the other side's attorney misled him and made him seem like, you know, told him this was the best advice and just to do nothing and let a default judgment go against him. And at the time, he believed that was right, and then I realized he was misled intentionally. And and basically, that he's not guilty, that this was not him, that his identity was stolen. And this, I think, would qualify for setting aside the lawsuit, for setting it aside and, and making them start over. Because this is exactly what they're talking about, where there's like a case of actual identity theft and the wrong person gets sued. And even if the wrong person didn't respond to it, he can say, hey, look, 
I've got Asperger's. I'm disabled. Um, I got bad advice. But I had nothing to do with this the whole way. Someone did something in my name. And I could easily see the judge setting aside a very large judgment like that. It's not like they got a $100 judgment against him. I mean, this is a 150000 250000 judgment against him. I think the judge would have sympathy for him in this case if he can reasonably show that he's not guilty. Uh, so I think that would be his best bet. And I think he could hire an attorney out there in Pennsylvania to do this for a few hundred bucks. Yeah, this, this wouldn't be a super expensive thing to file. Uh, and, and the fact that he has Asperger's and if this has been diagnosed by a licensed psychiatrist or psychologist, I, I think that uh, that would also work in his favor. Part of the judgment was for Mason's attorney fees and related expenses. If the, settle, if the judgment were to be set aside, does that mean Mason is just stuck with the bill? Yes. Uh, this, this is always the risk you take when you hire an attorney to sue someone is that if you lose then um, and uh, many times even if you win depending on the circumstances you're responsible for the attorney fees and this is what makes it uh, difficult to sue people sometimes Uh, you're taking a chance this is why uh, a lot of people try to get lawyers to take things on contingencies where they get a certain percentage of the win but then a lot of lawyers don't want to do that if they think there's a low chance of winning so uh, a lot of times you don't get uh, you don't get to sue people just for that reason if you're afraid of the expense if you're you're, you're taking a risk it's actually a gamble suing people a lot of times unless you have a, an attorney who will work for free or unless you are an attorney so uh, and that's why a lot of people opt for small claims court now this wouldn't have worked in small claims court because it's uh, a judgment for six figures now the six figure judgment is ridiculous in the first place because Mason did not take anywhere near that type of hit from from the books that were downloaded. I mean, this that's just a... Well, what about pain and suffering? Yeah, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I mean, there's... No, I was going to... Punitive damages I could see being awarded there, but this is... This is a... This should be a smaller penalty, nothing like six figures. So, uh, but, but anyway, putting that aside, I don't think had Anthony shown up, even if Anthony was the guilty party, which he's not, had he shown up, I don't think he would have had that awarded against him. That's just what they won because he didn't show up. But uh, since he's actually not guilty, since I think he can probably prove it, and since he does have Asperger's, I bet all this combined would be enough for a judge to vacate this and set it aside. That's what I would suggest he does. And uh, what will happen to Yebsite? I don't know. Maybe he'll be the one sued next. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Yeah. But uh, I, I do wish Anthony luck. In getting it's out of this. So, it's so unfortunate that this all happened. I feel really bad for the kid, even oh. if he did possibly screw up in a few spots and could have handled it better. It's really sad that this happened to him. Oh, okay, I just got information that the uh, – I got a little confused. The Social Security card is related to the e-checks that Yebsite allegedly uh, made using Anthony's name on poker sites that it had nothing to do with the, the website itself. Uh, well, that would be a useful reason to yeah. steal a Social Security card yeah, for so sure. Maybe that is what happened, but uh, – you know, I, I wish Anthony luck in getting out of this. He shouldn't give up, though, and he should not just leave this judgment hang, hanging over his head. Uh, now, keep in mind, a lot of people have big judgments against them and live their life just fine. Uh, there's a lot of things that can hurt, but if, if you're someone who's never going to have very much as far as assets go, you, you can pretty much live your life fine with a giant judgment against you like that. Uh, however, uh, there's no reason for it. There's no reason he should have this hanging over his head for something he didn't do. And I don't know 
even though I, I pretend to be lawyer Alvin Finkelstein for prank calls, uh, since I'm not a lawyer, I don't know what the precedent is in a case where there is identity theft that you can prove and something is done in your name and then you get sued and then you are apathetic regarding the lawsuit. Because obviously it's not your fault if someone steals your identity and does things in your name, but you should have some degree of responsibility for not answering lawsuits that you, you know, when you know they exist. You you can't you just like not do anything and expect it to be fine. But you but still there, need to defend yourself if, even when you're not guilty. Yeah, yeah. So there's but there there is uh, some sort of remedy for this, and uh, I, I think he could probably manage to do that. Some people are suggesting that I call Yebsite. I, I can already tell you Yebsite uh, does not have an interest in speaking about this. Um, it's he basically uh, is evaluating. He told me what he wants to do about this That he wants to help Anthony But uh, uh, he's also He doesn't want to hurt Anthony or himself And and one thing that's been noted is Anthony tried to actually delete the Reddit post But couldn't I guess it's stuck up there But uh, I guess when you delete a Reddit post It just removes your, your name from it or something yeah, yeah, so, I read Reddit a lot. Yeah, um, so, so I'm pretty familiar with so, that. What he could do is just message a moderator on Reddit, the moderator of r slash uh, poker. So apparently, and I'm sure yeah. they'd be happy to take it down. Apparently, Anthony is actually regretting posting that, or at least uh, whoever posted he, it regrets it certainly. Yeah, and that he's, uh, I think Anthony is is, I think websites reached out to him, which he should have done a long time ago. And if this Reddit post made it happen, then great. But I think Yebsite is trying to work with him to get this resolved. And uh, so I, I, I'm not going to interfere in that whole process. Because the, the most important thing is that Anthony gets his name cleared and the judgment dropped. So uh, I hope that's what happens. And I hope that Yebsite does whatever he needs to do to make that happen. You mentioned earlier about the penalty seeming way too stiff. Uh, almost $200,000, was it? I, I saw 150 and I saw 250. I'm not sure which okay. is the right number. Well, I mentioned earlier that um, when people receive DMCA notices or are accused of copyright infringement, that they usually just take it down and don't take any chances. They don't ask questions. They sort that out afterwards, but you know, take it very seriously. And this is because copyright infringement is very serious business. You can thank Walt Disney and the RIAA and all sorts of lobbies for for making it this way. But, you know, you download a single MP3, you could be fined $10,000 for it. You get get, uh, convicted of copyright infringement, you're talking very, very serious money. So it's no surprise that um, hosting links to uh, 2 plus 2 PDF files and things like that, uh, in fact, I'm actually a bit surprised that the penalty was that low in the $200,000 range. It could very well have been much more. Well, uh, I was actually threatened with a DMCA notice once on a previous site that I owned by Colleen, who was mad that her artwork was being parodied by being photoshopped. That is fair use. And I I was told that I had to take it down. That's what I said. I said it was fair use. In fact, she provided – she was the one who posted that artwork herself on that site. So I said, uh, since you've intentionally provided the site with your work here for free, uh, you can't – you can't be angry when people make uh, photoshops of it and, and mess with it. You you provided it on your own 
for free to this website, so I refused. Uh, anyway, uh, the DMCA is not a threat. The DMCA is not as a, a threat of a lawsuit. It's more like a precursor to one. Before you can sue somebody, you're supposed to file a DMCA first and warn them and say, "Please take this down, or I will have to sue you." Yeah. So uh, let me move on to the next uh, topic here. Uh, let's see. We have. I want to talk about. Uh, GTech. I guess it's our last topic for tonight, and if we don't have uh, anything else, if we don't get any calls, uh, then I guess we'll end the show. But it's already been a good two and a half hours here, so the show wasn't as short as I expected. Running smooth. Well, except for that one little uh, one little hiccup, but it's doing a lot better than I expected. I was really not very optimistic, especially when I saw the port blocking going on. Uh, there's a company called Lotomatica. Also known as GTech, which is a lot of is the parent company, but they they make uh, online gaming software. And uh, there's these two games, online games called uh, Real Deal and Hilo Gambler. They're two similar games that exist in online casinos, made by GTech. Uh, you could have played it on NordicBet or Betfred and a few other places. These games are very simple. You're just basically betting on the next card that's dealt. So you're betting at even odds for what they should really be. For example, let's say I bet that uh, the next card is going to be an ace. Well, the true odds of that would be 1 in 13. Because there's 4 aces and 52 cards in the deck. So if I bet on there being an ace, the right odds to pay me if I win would be 13 to 1. Well, uh, they made it, they, they were promoting on these sites like Betfred and NordicBet that these two games, Real Deal and High Low Gambler, pay 100%, that they don't have any house juice, that they pay you exactly at the odds of, uh, of what cards are, are going to be pulled uh, in the way I just described. And people like this because uh, you can kind of get your gamble on without having... A negative expectation. Of course, you can still lose, but you have an equal chance of winning. So it, you can actually do some degenerate gambling without having the odds against you, which is very unusual, especially online. Now, of course, there's the possibility, what if the odds say they're even, but you're being cheated in some way? You can really never trust an online casino, can you? Because you never know if the games are secretly rigged in the house's favor. That's why I've never, ever played online casino games. Well, guess well, what? Well, that's why that's why we have uh, trustworthy third parties, such as the Kanawaki Gaming Commission, to sort of oversee <laughs> these things. So they turned out. It turned out that that is exactly what was happening. That the game was rigged. And what's even sicker is that the play money version of the game was not rigged, but the real money of the game, real money game was. Now, I guess some girl really liked these games, and, and she was playing these games and just getting her ass beat. And she realized that there's no way that she could be losing at this rate. So she got, like, all of her hands, a copy of all the hand histories, sent them over to her brother, who was very good at math. And the brother determined that at one of the two games, that there was, like, a 1 in 154 million chance that she ran that bad. And that otherwise... It was rigged. Well, it turned out it was rigged. And even rigged worse than we thought. Not only was the game 
not even odds. But it actually was adaptive. Adaptive means that it makes you lose when you start to win. So not only are the odds not even, but that there's no way to even win in the short term. Because if you start winning, it'll purposely make you lose until you're losing. So even though the the odds were actually only a 48% chance of winning, which means the payback was only 96% of the game instead of 100, it was a pretty much constant 96% payback, not a, a 96 over long the long term. So no variance, just There's, pure consistent no losing. Right, right. So <laughs> so uh, it, it basically once you start winning, it makes you lose a certain amount until you're down again. So they're, they're, like it's just about impossible to win there. And um, that's what's really sick. That's what's the sickest thing about this scandal, is it's not even saying the odds are one thing and then actually having them be something else. This is actually where you can't win, even in the short term. You can't even get lucky and win, because it's always going to make you lose. It, it actually adjusts to whether, you, if you're winning, and make sure you're not winning. So uh, they had a really lousy excuse for this, that uh, they just didn't document it properly. Yeah, I, that's what I read. I, I'm not. Uh, I didn't. I didn't follow this uh, super closely, but at a glance, what I saw was that apparently G Tech programmed these games, and then they sent them out to various websites that had licensed them, and that on their end, on the for the end user, or not the end user, but the the websites that were setting them up, they just uh, they just screwed up in configuring the software. So it wasn't G Tech's fault, they say. Well, yeah. So so they're they're saying that. Um, um, Here's here's what the statement was from uh, Betfred. Uh, that uh, Realistic Games, which is, is part of GTEC, provided the assets and rights to the real deal game, um, uh, and and in, in doing so changed a number of core features. Uh, it's not it's not right to identify Realistic Games as responsible for how the game performs. Um, to in developing the game. Uh, Spielo G2 developed two versions Fixed odds and fixed price The latter was in operation at Bedfred Fixed price meant that the randomness could be introduced Via certified RNG and RTP Was introduced in the case 96% um, The development of this game Resulted uh, in inadvertently Them running the fun version of the game On a fixed odds model not a fixed price Therefore it ran at a different uh, uh, RTP I, I'm not going to read this whole thing But basically they're saying the mistake was made in that uh, the fun money was configured one way and then and then run as a, as a real money game, it seems like it was BS. It seems like what they're trying to say here is that the the play money version doesn't actually use a random number random number generator, but what it actually does is just makes it to where it's going to win a certain percent of the time period, and that uh, the real money has a random number generator. And that's these sites accidentally use the the play money as the one without the, the you know as real money, so now it no longer had the random number generator and always made it pay out at that exact rate, and then they adjusted the odds down, so that's what made that happen. But I don't buy that. It's possible, but I don't buy it. Why? It seems like a reasonable excuse. What's uh, what's fishy about it? Uh, because it looks like I never trusted these online casinos, and you know what are they going to say? Yes, we were cheating. You sorry? I mean, th- this is an excuse to me. That's what this thing is. Yeah. Now, th- what they may be saying it could be factually correct 
in a way, in that this is the way they accomplished it. That they got this game, they're like, hmm. Rather than taking the chance that someone can run good and beat us, why don't we just run the play money version as the real money version, and then fix down the odds a little bit to where there's no way people can win. And this way, everyone will lose, you know, 52% of the time. Even in the short term. Like, that that's probably what they thought. They probably came, Someone probably came up with a good idea on how to eliminate variance from this game on the casino's end. I used to think that's how the limit Hold'em bot worked. <laughs> no, really, I thought the limit Hold'em bot would, um, you know, adjust turn-in river cards and things like that to make it so that it wins, you know, a few percentage of an edge. Yeah, see, the limit Hold'em bot I trust because it's part of IGT, which is such a huge company, it just wouldn't be worth it to them to rig that one machine. I mean, it would just be devastating for IGT. So unless it was done by, like, some asshole who uh, who just wanted to screw with people that didn't care about the company's rep. Yeah, no, uh, when I formulated that idea, I didn't realize at the time that's illegal and that yeah. you can't program uh, well, yeah, machines it's, that way it's in illegal. Nevada. And, you know, while they could maybe get away with it, even though it's illegal, uh, IGT wouldn't take that risk. It just wouldn't make business sense. And IGT is a big company. It's not like Scott Tom at Absolute Poker deciding to steal an extra few million from people, despite making all the money they were. You know, this is this is a company that wouldn't do that. Well, so, speaking of Scott Tom, one of the reasons I, you know, was willing to keep an open mind about uh, not GTEC but their licensees just screwing up accidentally is because that did happen at UB with their Kino software, and that wasn't rigged. That was just a screw up. Like yeah. I don't think it. I don't think it even. I don't think it even favored UB. The way that Reno, uh, sorry, Kino had had a faulty random number generator. Yeah, it did, but, didn't it? But yeah, and they're very, they're just very incompetent over there in general. They're like UB was a combination of incompetent and 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 dishonest. Well, but there's uh, an old saying, you know, never, never, um, never confuse. Not never confuse. I can't remember it now. Don't don't uh, don't mistake malice for what could just as easily be incompetence. Yeah. Well, so it's possible this is incompetence, but let me tell you one problem. People have not been refunded yet, and this has been several weeks since this was brought up. At least three weeks, maybe four. Um, people were promised a refund, including the girl who brought it to their attention in the first place. And nobody's gotten money, as far as I know. Maybe they have and it has not been reported, or maybe they have and uh, I haven't seen it yet. But from what I've been reading, nobody has been paid yet from Betfred or Nordic Bet, who lost money in these games. And if they realize this mistake, much like what I was saying with Poker Stars earlier, but even more clear here, they realize this mistake. Why not just snap everyone back what they lost? Just make it right. And I mean, that's what looks really suspicious here: is that they say, "Oh yeah, we'll refund people," but then that almost looks like it's just PR bullshit, and then they really don't. And uh, you know, it makes you wonder if they aren't refunding them that fast. Maybe, maybe these companies don't have that much money. To want to give it back And they're trying to stall it for as long as possible And then that starts to introduce More of a chance that they were trying to cheat them In the first place Because when you're really struggling There's more of a chance you're going to rip people off Than when you're doing well So I will never have a Any kind of proof here Likely that uh, GTEC was actually doing this on purpose or, or that the licensees didn't do this on purpose Um or that this wasn't written by GTAC that way on purpose. Uh, we'll never know, but uh, 
there's a lot of possibilities here. And, and interestingly enough, uh, Lotomatica received a recommendation for approval to offer online poker to Nevada residents. They're the parent company of GTEC. They will be in front of the Nevada Gaming Control Board next week for full approval. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if this comes up at all, or if it'll just get SNAP approved. I have a feeling they're just going to get SNAP approved. And, uh, and by the way, they're supposed to... Uh, I believe they're supposed to certify that uh, these games are... Uh, that, that these games are okay, um, right? Actually, I, I guess uh, I guess they're not. I guess Betfred's supposed to, but I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not sure if I even believe this explanation that it was configured wrong. Like, there's so many different ways this could have gone. Like, nobody's going to want to admit culpability here. Like, what what if this is just the way GTEC developed it, and it wasn't a matter of uh, configuring one way? Like, why would they even have this? Like, why, why would they have it where you can configure it one way for play money where it doesn't have a random number generator? And one way for real money where it does. Like, why not just always have one? Well, I think the idea is for play money, it's supposed to be fun. So just rig it so that people consistently win and don't really give them a chance to even lose. No, but I don't think anyone has that expectation. I mean, if, if you want, uh, you know, give them better odds. Make it so you get paid uh, 1.5 to 1 for, for choosing half the cards, you know, instead of, instead of even money. Like there's there's ways to do it where people have a very good shot at winning, but, but they could still lose. They could still, but I don't think people are expecting play money to constantly win. You can let them top up play money constantly. I mean, there's, a, I, yeah. I just don't understand why. Why would you ever take a random number generator out of it? It's just so weird. Like why even release that version, even for play money? Why? Why? I, I would think it would make it less fun for play money if uh, if it wasn't random. Well, like, clearly including that sort of uh, that sort of feature in the software is a security flaw. Apparently, because you can mix them up, yeah. If that's the case, so I don't know. I I, I just wonder if this is uh, something that was malicious. That, that now, maybe... I I agree with you when you say that you don't trust these online casinos because there's no way to know for sure, yeah, whether or not they're fair. Now tell me, tell me if this is a dumb idea. But when people would come out and say online poker is rigged, the the flushes always get there and the losing players get an edge. Um, people would refute that. Because there was evidence. You could compile large amounts of data and analyze it and, you know, sort of see what percentage of flushes were getting there and things like that and, and seeing that the math adds up. Everything's fair. There's no, you know, there's no boom switches or doom switches or anything like that. Couldn't you kind of do the same thing for casino games? Couldn't you make it uh, transparent and, I don't know, keep like a list somewhere of all the black hat blackjack hands that have been dealt and the results of all the online slot machines so people can review them? Well, you you, you can't. I mean, the, the casino operator could. But I know. Uh, I'm saying, why not make it public? Let people, you know, anytime someone hits a jackpot, you know, that could be good uh, marketing. Hey, well, I think um, the reason they don't Daisy want to do XOXO that, just hit a jackpot. I think the reason they don't want that is uh, they don't want people seeing how many lose. They don't want to see the yeah. total amount of money lost. I can see why a, a casino would want not want that. I'm like, even live casinos, you, you don't see the Bellagio releasing uh, uh, reports on, on how each blackjack player does, even if they don't mention them by name. You know, you wouldn't see them having a big list of, like, oh, here are all the people that set up blackjack tables, here's how much they bet, here's how much they won. Like, if you saw that, you'd go, oh my god, I'm never playing blackjack. Like, uh, so you're telling stupid idea. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm saying that it's... Uh, I, I'm saying that I can see why they wouldn't want to do that, but but you That's just can't fine. you you just can't trust 
these online casinos because you're you can trust them much less than online poker sites. The online poker sites, you're playing against other players. The house just wants their rake, unless they put super users right. in. Well, <laughs> theoretically, there could be incentive to rig the games. And yeah, well, super sure, users. Sure, pe- people would reason, well, it doesn't make sense for them to rig the games. But the main thing I, I thought that made people feel secure was that it could essentially be proven that they're not rigged, whereas you can't with the online casinos. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of many things. But I, I especially feel uncomfortable playing against the house where, where – I'm tr- I'm trying to be them, and they're telling me if I won or not. It's like, uh, um, it's like me playing a gambling game with you, saying, "Okay, uh, you pick a number between one and ten. Uh, if you get it right, I'll pay you ten times your money. And if you don't, then you pay me. And I'll tell you if you were right or not. I'm not going to write it down anywhere. I'll just tell you right or wrong. I, mean, well, I heard a story a long time ago about Jack Binion who took a phone call from a gambler who wanted to play craps over the phone. <laughs> So he did, and except uh, except Benyon was just sitting in his office the whole time and wasn't even really rolling the dice. And eventually, he just let the guy win because he wanted the guy to fly in and, and visit his casino. <laughs> but he could have just as easily said, "Nope, you lost a hundred thousand. Sorry." <laughs> I uh, I uh, saw something interesting at Caesars at the bot there. Uh, Crazy Mike. I'm sorry, not 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 Jack Benyon. I think that was Benny Benyon. Yeah, sorry, but go on. Was. Crazy Mike was playing the bot, and he, he even though Crazy Mike's a good heads up limit hold'em player, he, he had no clue how to play the bot. He was he was doing all the wrong things. So me and Brandon were watching this, going, you know, this guy's awful against this bot. Well, Crazy Mike was telling us that he had a bet that he could run up uh, a thousand, I think, into twenty thousand on the bot, and then it was a five thousand dollar bet if he could or couldn't, even money, believe it or not. It was 2,000 or 1,000 running to 20. Anyway, uh, he failed miserably and busted. But the amazing thing about this supposed bet was that there was nobody there watching it. Or there were two people watching, but it turned out they were with Crazy Mike. I'm like, oh, are you the ones watching for the guy who made the bet? No, 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 we're for Crazy Mike's friends. So they were just watching for fun. So there's no one supervising this. No neutral party supervising that Crazy Mike was actually running it up. So he was he was just going to tell the guy later whether or not he succeeded. Yeah, I'm like that's a crazy bet. I'm like who was dumb enough to do that? So we tried to offer Crazy Mike the same bet, of course, the play right in front of us, and he wouldn't do it. We tried to say, okay, we'll give you two to one odds. I'll give you three to one odds. We, I mean, we saw he didn't know how to play the bot, but he didn't want to take it. So then, uh, then we were wondering if Crazy Mike just lied to us and that there was no such bet in the first place. Really weird. Um, but I, I wonder if there was someone dumb enough to make a bet like that, to just send him off by himself and ask him if he managed to win 20K. I mean, what, what if Crazy Mike just kept feeding bills into the machine until it had 20K? <laughs> well, I guess he's an honorable guy. And Well, if that, bet, if that bet really existed. I, I, I don't know who – he wouldn't say who it was with. And uh, we don't know what he went back and told the other guy. So I, I have a feeling the whole thing may have just been BS. He may have just been uh, yanking our chain. But uh, anyway – that uh, and someone says he'd have to produce a 20k ticket. You can do that by just feeding 20k in yourself. <laughs> so um, that I, I guess we're done here uh, of the things to talk about today on this show. Uh, I hope Brandon's back next week. The show will return at its regular time and date next week, January 29th, 7 p.m. The usual night of Tuesday. 
But um, regarding Brandon, as I said earlier in the show, he's not here tonight. Uh, he didn't say he's still on the hiatus. He just said tonight he's just not home. He can't do the show. So if I want to have it tonight, then he can't make it. So that was that, uh, which is fine. I, I changed the night of the show, and I always risk uh, that the co-host can't make it if I do that. I would not be able to make it tomorrow. So, uh, But uh, he still has not committed that he's returning to the show. And I really hope he does. The show isn't the same without Brandon. And when the show was developed in the first place, it was done with Brandon in mind. In fact, he contacted me personally before Poker Fraud Alert even went up, saying that he wanted to do a radio show with me. And uh, when the show was developed, it it did have him in mind. And, of course, we had a third co-host in in Vowels who had to leave the show for uh, family reasons of her own. But uh, I don't want to keep coming out here every week If it's not going to be a good show But I do find I have things I want to talk about I do have things I want to say I have been finding substitute co-hosts every week And it's gone fine So on one hand I'll say You know, maybe I should just keep doing it every week And as long as i got a substitute co-host to do it with me every week, I'm fine But I think there will be weeks when I won't have a substitute co-host then I'll be stuck myself. Or maybe these three that have been coming on as a sub-host, maybe they, they'll lose interest. I mean, there's a lot of ways it can go. I do thank uh, you, Thomas, for coming on here. Sure. Uh, I thank uh, China Maniac for last week and, and Jason for a few weeks ago. And if I am stuck doing the show myself, it probably will not be a weekly show anymore. I'll probably make it once every two weeks, once every three weeks. Uh, I, I do want to have some kind of radio show. But uh, I don't know if it'll be every week anymore I hope it will be And I hope Brandon comes back And hopefully with a a month now To kind of clear his head And and, uh, deal with the stuff he's dealing with That uh, he'll feel ready to return to the radio And, uh, you know, he's not making any money from this And uh, we didn't have any kind of contract, you know Spoken or written about this show, he's doing it just because he enjoys it. The same reason I do. He he didn't expect to make any money or get any glory or anything like that. He did it because people keep saying, "Brandon, we really like you on the radio. We liked the old radio show you had on the previous site, even though one of the people on that show is never going to be doing it with us again." Uh, you know, the two of you together, yeah, I'd love to hear again. People kept saying about me and him. So we said, "Okay." We said we enjoy doing it. We like the fact that other people enjoy hearing it. So. We'll do it, and uh, but at the same time, if it's something that uh, he no longer has an interest in, or if it's something that uh, it is causing a burden to him or his life, then I can see where he wouldn't want to, because then the benefits are, are being outweighed by the negative factors for him, whatever they are. So uh, I do hope he comes back. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not going to tell everybody that he's coming back for sure next week because uh, I don't know. And uh, I guess we will see. And I just want to say one more thing here. And, uh, you know, I, I recently had to ban a user from the site who's been here a while. I'm not going to get into that whole situation. Most of you probably know who it is. I, I don't enjoy banning people. I, I like. Letting everyone speak their mind Even if they don't like me 
But uh, one thing I'm never going to tolerate on this site is people who try to reach into my real life to, to hassle me or harm me or, 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 or bother me or my family or, or tr- try to use my own site to mess with me or my family. And when I say mess with me, I don't mean come out there and, and, and criticize me or insult me. You can do that all you want. Uh, or if you've got something that you, you want to bring up that I did that you don't appreciate or you don't like, you want everyone to know about it and discuss it, fine, go ahead and do it. I'm, I'm not trying to hide things here. But at the same time, um, people who are trying to actually harass me through my site, I'm, I'm not going to allow. It, like harass me with real life things or, or, or post information about my family. That's, that's not going to happen here. And that's nothing that I forgive. And, and since I'm the full and complete owner of the site, that's just something I don't want. That's not why I pay the bills for the server. That's not why I do this radio show. That's not why I put the effort into running a forum. I, I run a forum, and I run this site, and I run this radio show because I enjoy it. It's a hobby, and I do it for people who are going to treat me and it respect, respectfully. And when I say respectfully, you can treat me respectfully even if you don't respect me personally. You can do that without liking me personally. You can do things. You can do that without agreeing with me personally. But just don't think you have a right to be here and post information about my family or post other things that are going to harass me in real life or cause me trouble in real life. Uh, or post my personal information. You know, you start doing things like that. I, I don't want you here. I'm going to kick you out. I don't kick out many people. There's only a few people who are banned from my site. And uh, if you do things like that, you'll be one of them. And I try to be forgiving sometimes, depending on the circumstances. But uh, uh, if you do that enough and do it maliciously enough, I'll just I'll never forgive you. You'll never come back. Maybe that's fine with you. Maybe it's not. But, uh, you know, I I just want to let people know that uh, even if you have a disagreement with me with how I'm running the forum or how I'm not doing something you're asking, or whatever it is, uh, don't lash out unless you're prepared to not come back. So, I I hate to end the show on that note, but uh, I just want to mention that for the future. But I do have to say, the vast majority of users on this site, since I've put this up in March of 2012, have been very respectful, have pretty much understood what I do and don't want the site to be, and have respected that. Even people who have argued with me in the past, said critical things of me in the past, even said in the past they don't like me, have still been respectful on this site. And I appreciate that from those people. And of course I appreciate all the regular listeners and regular forum contributors. And one more thing. If you are a listener to this radio show but don't post on the forum, or don't read the forum, I'd like to encourage you to get involved. I'd like to... Just ask, start posting. Because uh, we always need new people on the forum. Otherwise it gets stale. And uh, while I love the old people who have been part of the community for years, it's always nice to hear from new people. And I, I get private messages from people who told me they've listened to every show going back years. And I've never heard from them. And they, they one thing happens to strike their interest that they have to comment on privately. And I say, oh, who are you on the site? Oh, I'm, I, I just lurk. I, I don't even have an account. Or, oh, I have an account, but I've never posted once. Then I look, sure enough. You know, that's the truth. 
But go ahead, say something. Go ahead and post, even if uh, you want to wait till you have something really noteworthy to, to post about. The majority of users are lurkers. The oh, vast yeah. majority, in fact. Yeah, I know that. I, I, you know, sometimes I think I'm just saying that to make myself feel good. So, so I think I have a bigger user base than I do, uh, but uh, and more listeners than I do. But uh, it, it really reality sets in when I'll be in a poker room and just this person I've never seen before, never heard of before, comes up and talks about all this stuff on the radio, and I say, "Oh, who are you on the forum? Oh, I'm not on the forum." Oh, I've I've never called in. Like you, you wouldn't know me. Like I, I've had this happen so many times in poker rooms, so many times at the World Series. Uh, one of my favorite ones was when a guy came up to me in the main event of the World Series and told me he was listening to me as we were playing the main event. <laughs> and I said, "Wow, that's cool." So, uh, you know, I'm I'm happy to have all the lurkers, but uh, I'm even happier to have people who are involved. So. Give it a try, post on the forum, say something, introduce yourself. Anyway, uh, I guess that's all for tonight. show always ends up longer than I think. Every time I say it's going to be a short show, it's never never all that short. Well, when I say I'm going to do a long show, it turns out to be a short one. <laughs> I mean, you would think combining us together that it would be like right in the middle, but uh, I guess that didn't happen. I mean, it hasn't been a long show. It's still less than three hours, right around three hours. But uh, I think it's a good enough length, especially from a hotel. And that means the show's almost over. That means we have two minutes or so as we hear the All in the Family closing theme. Which always means the show is just about over. I'd like to thank everybody for listening on this Monday night or whenever you're hearing the archives. I know our date of the show jumps around and our co-hosts are ever-changing. But I try to be here for you every week and both entertain and inform and even do semi-risky things like prank calling the other poker pros who I'm likely to see in a poker room and perhaps have an awkward moment. But I do Keep this us updated on that. I definitely will. But I, I do this for you, the listener, so you can uh, have something interesting to hear either on an evening as you wind down or while you're bored at work or maybe while you're grinding in a live poker room or if you still play online or maybe if you're taking a long drive somewhere and need something to keep you occupied for four or five hours. Whatever you use this show for, I'm glad you listen. And I thank everybody who's given back to the community through the free roll donations. And I I know people say this crap and don't really mean it, but I really do appreciate it each and every listener I have here and it, it always makes me feel good when I hear from new people even privately that uh, have been listening all this time and enjoy the show it gives me more motivation to keep doing it so thank you everybody for being here and I'm, I'm going to keep doing the show to some extent no matter what but I'm, I'm still shooting for a, a continued weekly show like you've come to expect since March of 2012 or I guess since May of 2012 and, uh, and before that when I was on a different site we will be back January 29th at 7pm on Tuesday our regular night that will remain our regular night of 2013 thank you Seriously Serious go to seriouslyserious.com and buy my shit buy his shit if you want to support him that's all for tonight everybody Shalom Shalom